welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another edition of the Dodo Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Serial Sensei. We are on episode number 141. As always, you can give this podcast a listen on SoundCloud, iTunes, or actually, you know what? I realize I've been calling it iTunes, and it's like only Apple what was it apple podcast now because itunes isn't real anymore so so soundcloud apple podcast youtube spotify google play hit us up on social media at the dojo talk podcast facebook page as well as the dojo talk podcast instagram page and you can follow me on twitter as well as twitch at serial sensei and of course as always i'm joined with my co-host antaku what's going on man yeah uh, nah, I, I don't got nothing for today. I came in unprepared. <laughs> did, did, hey, did, wait, I got wait. Did y'all see Ben Askren die? Yeah, that that's that's so because uh... he's dead. You'll you'll yeah. never see him again. <laughs> this is what we trade the DJ for. Yep, I mean, yeah, this moment was worth it. I'll I'm I'm a hundred percent on board now. Jesus Christ. I don't think his soul ever came back to his body after that. Like, I think he just... So many people got sent to the astral plane last night. That it, was... it was all the people you expected. It was... It, uh, boy. What a night. Like, what? I'm, I'm, I'm really tired right now. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like, my, my night was kind of hectic, and I'll... I'll explain why when we get to this Jones Santos fight, but uh, I'm a little tired. But my guy, last night was um, I, I I came out of pocket to pay for this pay per view, and I swear every every time I buy a pay per view, it's normally a Jones fight, and every time I feel like my money is is always well spent, and and last night was just I I I can't think of many other things I would have rather had paid. Sixty-five dollars for, like this. This was, this was way more satisfying than uh, like even the fights that I didn't really care about, ended up giving me moments, uh, which which we'll, we'll get to. But yeah, we lost Ben Askren last night. Rest in um, peace. Yeah, rest in peace. I think his fro like flew off. He's bald like, now. They're right. <laughs> He's not even funky anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, he's just not funky anymore. That is, gee, oh my God. I would go into hiding after that. I would never talk to anybody yeah, He's again. back on Twitter. So. Boy. <laughs> but, yeah, this, this car was, was something else. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, man. I guess, I guess before we get in into in, into everything, uh, quick shout out to the listeners, of course. Uh, thank you guys, Twitter folk, Tumblr folk, everybody who posts, reposts, wherever you are in the world where you listen. 
definitely appreciate you. Top um, listeners of the week as far as cities. Uh, we have number one, Everett, Washington. Oh, coming in at number two. Shout-outs to Alexandria, Egypt. What's going on, guys? Number three, Chicago, Illinois. Number four, New York, New York. And coming in at number five, we had three people, well, four people tied for number five. Tied for number five. Uh, Denver, Colorado, Brattleboro, Vermont. I don't know how y'all got here, but what up? <laughs> and Clemson, South Carolina. Uh, all tied for number five. So That Eric Andrews fan base. Right. <laughs> so shout-outs to you guys. You know, wherever you're at in the world, keep sharing, keep posting, share with a friend, co-worker, parole officer, judge, uh, you know, local pedestrian, gas station attendant, cashier, uh, your mortgage uh, agent, uh, financial advisor, all, all that good stuff. Share, share with all those people. I didn't realize he was Filipino. Anders. Cool. Really? Uh, well, he's not Filipino. I mean, in the sense that he was born on a military base in the Philippines. Oh, okay. Right. I was going to say, Andrew's Filipino. What did I miss? <laughs> Where have I been? But, um... <laughs> real quick before we go into this, and we, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I, I have to give it a quick mention because I, I think we briefly mentioned it uh, on the last podcast about the Knicks being oh, cursed. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we got a quick, quick free agency recap. I'm sure you guys know by now, but the Knicks left with uh, uh, nothing. Well, you got Julius Randle. So that's... hey, we have a better starting lineup than we did last year. But that's like that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's like it, it was just weird because they made all of these moves to free up all this cap space to get. Like to give out these max deals and then nobody. Nobody wants to play for the Knicks. <laughs> and it's not even just that nobody cared. Like all these reports are coming out about oh they didn't want to offer KD the max because of his injury, and like there a lot of these reports that are coming out. I don't know who's leaking these, but these should not have been made public because it, it just it makes them look really 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 terrible. Like, I've been saying this for, like, at least 10... Nobody wants to play in New York. Or at least not for the Knicks, I should say. Like, the media sucks. Your front office is shit. And, like, when, like, everything falls on your shoulders if you're the star. And they do, like, and they, and, like, they do nothing to, like, help you out in that situation. On the other side, Brooklyn will be uh, <laughs> running the uh, the New York side of things in terms of basketball. Yeah, NBA free agency has just... I got so many notifications. My phone like would not stop going off. But um, we, we're not really going to go into that. If you guys are NBA fans, I'm pretty sure you already know where everybody's landed. Kawhi's gone to the Clippers along with Paul George. That was kind of crazy. Didn't... Paul George just kind of came out of nowhere, but they're with the Clippers, KD, and and, and Kyrie with the Nets. Um, shout out to my Spurs. We we snagged up Marcus Morris. I like I like that. We we don't really get big time players, so I gotta gotta accept what we can get. But I, I like he, Morris is a solid addition. Got Kemba going to the the Celtics. 
NBA, NBA free agency just been been kind of wild. But uh, yeah, the Knicks are definitely cursed. Something's uh, <laughs> some kind of past karma is just not letting them, not letting them be great. Um, but as far as today's episode, um, of course we will get to UFC 239 because boy, oh boy, is there a lot. <laughs> Is there a lot that, for for a card that really went by so fast because so many people got finished, but there there are a lot of conversations to be had. Um, so we'll we'll definitely get to that. Um, I'll do. Well, I don't know. Did did you get a chance to watch any of? Glory? I did not even know it happened until you mentioned it. Even though I probably mentioned it last week, and I was like, "You have to watch <laughs> Glory '67." I don't watch like uh, the the American Glory cards like. Uh, it's, they're, they're full of Americans, and I want to watch that. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of, uh, the, the Super Fight series, it was pretty much, almost, it was like 90%, 90% American. Um, but it, it was a cool, I'll, I'll give, I'll go through some brief mentions. I didn't see the entire card, but there were a couple of, a couple of fights I saw, main event, and some other ones that I'll mention. Um, so I'll briefly run through that. And, um... Well, but we'll start with news and notes, which there isn't a ton of in terms of volume, but I think there's still conversations to be had in terms of some of these matchups that have been announced. So I'll just run through these news and notes as far as matchups, and then we'll go back and, uh, or we can just talk about them as we go. So um, starting from the top, fight announcements and notes for the week. Um, we, we've mentioned this fight before, but I'm just going to re-mention it because it is, like, official, official now. Uh, Robert Whitaker versus Israel Adesanya is going down at UFC 243. Um, we've kind of talked about this fight before a, a couple of times. Um, I forgot, are you, you going with Whitaker? Yeah, yeah I, I think, think so. Yeah, he's going with Whitaker. I, I'm going to go with Adesanya. But we, we've kind of talked about this before, so I don't think we really need to go too far into it. Maybe like the week before the fight happens, maybe we'll revisit. But yeah, he, he, Anti-Cool is going with Whitaker. I'm going to go with Adesanya. But uh, moving along, uh, at UFC Copenhagen, we will have Jared Cannonier versus Jack Hermanson. At UFC Uruguay, we will have Vicente Luque versus Mike Perry. Uh, let me stop right there. How you got this fight going? Um, Luke, I think yeah, I think same. I think Perry's gonna be dangerous early, and because Luke gets fucked up in the first round of basically every one of his fights, but uh, I think he survives. Uh, uh, I think he's able to neutralize Perry's offense and eventually get the knockout himself, for at least take a yeah. take a wide decision on the back end of the fight. I think there'll be bombs landed on both sides. I'm gonna go with Luke. Finishing the fight by uppercut. That's that's how I got this going. But that that's gonna be a fun, a fun violent weight welterweight fight. So de- definitely looking forward to that. Um, at UFC 242, uh, we have a rematch between Edson Barboza and Paul Felder, as well as Joanne Calderwood versus KGB Lee. I guess I'm a, a real quick. Uh, is it safe to assume that if KGB wins title shot, I mean, she, they have to like just. What's her name? Has to fight somebody, Shevchenko. So, yeah. And uh, we would be what four zero in the UFC at that point. So, four zero, three zero. Four zero, yeah. Something like that. 
Yeah. Um, and at flyweight, there's, there's only like six fighters. <laughs> well, like not really, but you, you guys. Get well, the point. It's either her, it's a Shikagan, and I mean, Shook. If we're going by Shook, is probably the more deserving of the two because she would have already beaten Joanne Calderwood, and yeah, she lost to Jessica I, but she also beat um, what's her face. Sujara Eubanks and uh, Alexis Davis. So like, and I ran out of Donna. So I don't know. I, like, there, there's plenty of time for somebody to do something to to put themselves in that spot. Right. We'll, we'll 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 see. I, I just feel like, based off of, Hell, the, the, I guess they might give it to Roxy if she beats um, Maya, just because mm. Roxy beat. Shevchenko's sister. Hmm. So, I mean, options at flyweight is a good thing. You, it just sucks. That <laughs> we gotta do something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I don't say that to be like <laughs> mean or nothing. It's just that, like, let's, let's, if we're being real, like, yeah. meant, like Compared to Shevchenko, it's kind of like... Like, uh, Lee and Chikagian are super early in their careers compared to, you know, this woman who's been fighting professionally for almost 15 years now. And uh, Roxy is Roxy. And I love her, but... Shevchenko takes her lunch money. Yeah, it's not... I, I, I think Shevchenko takes pretty much all of their... All of their lunch money... Um, I, I, on an entertainment value, I think KGB Lee would probably be the f- most aesthetically pleasing to watch. Huh. Um, but yeah, e- either way, even even between Caitlyn uh, Lee and uh, Roxy, it's it's not looking good for either three. But I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see how that how that goes. But good good luck to all three. Y'all. Right. And Joe and and Joanne if she does because I, I don't want to. Like write her off, um, you know if she ha- if she happens to win. But no, no matter who wins uh, out of that group, um, may the force be with you. Uh, prayers, <laughs> future condolences, whatever you want to call it. But um, but yeah, that's going down at UFC 242, and at UFC, uh, it was really weird when I looked this fight up because out of all the fights they listed this at like UFC Fight Night. I'm like, we don't do fight night numbers anymore. So I call this UFC San Francisco because that's where it takes place. I'm not calling this UFC fight night one, whatever. We, we don't do that anymore. But <laughs> Joanna Yanjacek and Michelle Waterson. Uh, this, this fight kind of caused a little stir on my timeline. Um, I, I'm not mad at this fight because Waterson's been on a run. Um... And I think she's fighting with a chip on her shoulder. I think she feels like she has a lot to prove, like a lot of people are counting her out. But, like, the more I just kind of thought about this fight, you know, I'll have to go back and watch footage. I could eventually change my mind between now and then. But off of instant reaction, like, the more I thought about this fight, I was kind of, I don't, I don't know how Waterson wins this. I, 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 I don't see it. I, I'll give her this. Look. She's probably the most... Adept kicker that Joanne has fought at 115. Um, maybe that causes some problems with her, uh, like her 
um, ability to move in and out of distance. But like, even then, it's, it's not like uh, Joanna's going to lose like a kickboxing match with her. All right. That and Joanna's not the easiest person to take down. And we 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 know with Watterson, like a lot of her takedowns is you know that judo head arm throw. Mm-hmm. I don't see her getting that off <laughs> on your. I don't see her getting into the position to even like attempt to do that. All right. Because like, Joanna Yo- is the best in this division at keeping distance. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's. If Waterson can win, it'll be really impressive. Like, and I I don't want to completely write her off because I've been a fan of her since Invicta, and I still give her props for just even being in this division when she she really should be an atom weight. <laughs> like, she she's kind of I guess bulked up and put on some mass, but she really has to get by on skill because she's just everybody's just so much bigger than she right. is. So I have I have to give her props for even be able being able to hang um, in this division. I think that speaks to her talent level. But I don't know, man. This that's that's gonna be a rough one. That is gonna be a rough one. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Crazier things have happened. Maybe somehow she lands a crazy kick. <laughs> if she can just stun Joanna one good time, rush in with her little judo throw. I don't know. Maybe she gets something going. I, I don't know, but. Instant reaction, I, I I I don't think it's gonna go that well. I think I think Joanna might punish her, but we'll we'll see how that goes. But uh, yep, Joanna and Michelle Waterson that'll be going down at UFC San Francisco. Um, oh, elsewhere and other MMA promotions. Uh, at Bellator Dublin, we will have James Gallagher versus Callum Eleanor. Um, at Invicta FC 36, we will have Pam Sorensen and Caitlin Young fighting for the vacant featherweight title. At one championship, Dawn of Heroes, we'll have Martin Wynn fighting Koyomi Matsushima. Really looking forward to that fight. And at Battlefield FC2, uh, if you're a Glacian Tibau fan, or you want to know uh, what Will Brooks is doing in his post-UFC fight career, and what now post... Wasn't he, wasn't he in PFL? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Po- <laughs> so post-UFC... And post PFL career, uh, Glayson Tibbal and Will Brooks will be squaring off at Battlefield FC2. I think also on that card, I didn't write it down, but uh, Abel Trujillo is also on that card as well as Brian Caraway. So uh, if you want to see somewhere, see, see where some former UFC fighters see what they're up to, go uh, go peep Battlefield FC2. Oh, I misspoke. He went two and uh, he went two zero oh, and one. He had a draw with Rashid Magomed uh, Magomedov, which sounds like a dreadful fight. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's that. So, um, don't have much in terms of, like, news stories. Um, I guess one of, one of the biggest ones we saw this week, which ca- caused a mini stir. I, I had mixed reactions on my timeline. Uh, John Lineker was released, uh, by the UFC. How are there mixed reactions to that? I, <laughs> I saw... I feel like I saw a little bit of everything. Like, I saw some reaction saying, like, oh, well, he... And I, I, I honestly didn't go to... Because I think they put out an article about why they released him. 
And to be honest, I didn't care because it didn't really... Like, for the, for an initial second, I was, like, bummed, like, oh, Lineker got cut. And then, like, I thought about it, and I was like, there are a lot of fun fights for him outside of the UFC that I would really enjoy watching. And then I wasn't sad anymore. So, like, it didn't really... I didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about it. My mind instantly moved to, ooh, John Lineker could go to Ryzen. Oh, John Lineker could fight at one. Oh, John Lin Like, just all these other places that we could see him just throw fisticuffs at. Um, but I, I saw some people, you know, were... Kind of like, well, you know, he pulls out of every fight, blah, blah, blah. He was, you know, not overrated. I don't say overrated. I didn't see anybody use that term. But, you know, some some people were just kind of like, hey, he, he pulled out a bunch of fights anyway. So, like, they just kind of didn't care. And then some people were just kind of bummed. Like, how we how do we let this violence, <laughs> this, this this walking this walking personification of violence just kind of walk out the front door? But um, That's where I'm at. <clears throat> I guess at this point with the UFC, I'm just kind of not surprised by, like, anything anymore. <laughs> so, like, when I saw it, it was kind of like, yeah, that that sucks. But with the way that he fights, he's just one of those guys, to me, that he's always going to have... There's always a market for this kind of fighter. So, I'm like, he's not going to be out of a job for long. He will get scooped up somewhere, and he will go to another promotion... And he will put on a lot of fun fights. John, uh, I look forward to John Lineker soccer kicking the shit out of people. Right. <laughs> and I, I think it might, I ain't going to say be better for his career, but like I, we're not done with Lineker by a long shot. Like This will not be the last time we hear about him. He, he will be on a card somewhere soon, soccer kicking somebody, knocking somebody's head off, and we, we will all be enjoying it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Do you, do you have any, any other you know, f further thoughts on the UFC cutting him or, like, the reason they cut him? But, uh, whack, whack, um, whack. Yeah, no, just whack. Good. Do you know what his record was in, like, his last? Three? Uh, was it one and two? So, because he lost to Sanhagen and he... Well, no, he beat um, Marlon Vera. So it was his last three was two and one. He beat Kelleher and Vera and lost to Sanhagen. Dude, he, no wonder he was upset. Like he's like, he's fought three times in like two and a half years. He fought once in twenty seventeen, once in twenty eighteen, and once in twenty nineteen. Mind you, he had to take off the first, like, 10 months of 2017 because that was immediately after T.J. Dillashaw broke his jaw. So. Well, apparently to this article, it says, The straw that broke the camel's back appeared to be Lineker's last-minute withdrawal from his scheduled co-headliner with Rob Font. Just before the UFC on ESPN 12 in June, uh, the Brazilian had pleaded to be booked but pulled out due to a laceration suffered during his weight cut, despite reportedly receiving clearance to compete from both the UFC doctors and his team. White said that type of headache led to the end of the working relationship. Um, so it just seems, I'm not, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but it, it, it seems like on their end the reason they cut him was just having trouble just getting him, I guess, in fights, and it was just a headache. 
that's just kind of what I'm getting from the gist of it. Mm. Quote unquote, the guy wasn't being professional. I mean, he, it was never professional. That's what made him great. <laughs> he, he just show up eight pounds overweight and beat up somebody who was already clearly overmatched. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, I get it on there, and you know, I, I that yes, that's why I'm, I didn't really make a big. Uh, I wasn't really in a big fuss about it. Like it sucks, you know. You you always everybody's always down for a Lineker fight, but he he's gonna be somewhere else, man. I'm I'm positive, so it it kind of is what it is, but we'll 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 see Lineker soon enough. Violence will be on the horizon. So that was that news story, and the only other uh, news story which we can could have saved this for shoutouts at the end, but I'll just do it now because it happened last night. Uh, we've got some new UFC Hall of Fame inductees. So, uh, shout-outs to Rich Franklin. He was inducted in the Pioneer Wing. Shout-outs to uh, Diego Sanchez and Clay Guida. Their fight was booked in the Fight Wing. Uh, Rashad Evans uh, inducted for the Modern Wing, uh, as well as Michael Bisbing inducted in the Modern Wing. Um, I'm, you know, cool, happy for everybody. Oh, always happy for Michael Bisbing. He's, he's one of my favorites I'm, I'm one of like three people on earth who's a michael bisbing fan so <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he i'm glad he's in the hall of fame man this being a michael bisbing fan was, was not an easy thing um there's been, been a lot of ups a lot of downs but you know he, he made it to the top I, I was happy to see that i know some people felt some kind of way but hey he made it <laughs> it, it is what it is but no, I, I, I definitely happy to see bisbing in there um Happy to see Rashad in there too. Like I, when I see Rashad, I'm reminded that oh man, there was a, there was a time when 205 was like, that was it, man. That was like the place to be. That was that was where all the greatness happened, and then somewhere it all went wrong. But <laughs> you know, he, he he's a reminder. He he was part of that that class. And like I, I always, R- Rashad is like a reminder of like when I I'm gonna say when I first started watching the UFC, but kind of like. That was the era when I really started to, like, actually get into it and was, like, trying to learn fighters and, like, trying to, like, somewhat semi-consistently watch cards and, like, pay attention to who's who. Um, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> what are you watching? Uh, I'm watching the, the, pre, <laughs> the, the pre-show the for the World Cup final, and it's just a bunch of just, like, I, I, what you, the Dutch... Yeah, Dutch. A bunch of Dutch people jumping up and down in the field with like their little soccer banners, and if there's a beat, none of them are on it, because they are all jumping at like random <laughs> times. It's very, it's very weird. Also, the dude oh, who's boy. hosting the uh, the panel, his name is Rob Stone, and now I can think about is that one song by Rob Stone with the whistle. I don't know if I remember. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, God, you gonna cue it up. Rob Stone, rapper. Uh, well, he only has the one song. Uh, the Chill Bill song, the, the one with the whistle. Rob Stone, I'm mad just like when I Googled it. Hey, the, the soccer guy came up, right? Is it? Um, Rob Stone, chill. I'm gonna play this on YouTube. I don't... I don't... 
This isn't ringing a bell for me. Alright, hold on, listeners. I'm playing this in the phone. Yeah, that song. I might have to let this kick off. This, this is not ringing a bell for me. I don't really like. When did this come out? 2014, but like it got big in 2015, I think. Why don't I remember this? I'm fast forward. Yeah, he is not a good rapper. Let me just throw this out there. Yeah, we, 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 not for him. <laughs> I, I, I love the beat, though. <laughs> oh, that's vaguely familiar, but I... Uh, no, not ring that, that was into the streaming era where, like, you could have, like, a hundred million, like, um, listens on SoundCloud and, like, be on the Billboard 100, and I, I would have no fucking clue who you are. Right. <laughs> like... Like, I don't know who the fuck the baby is. Like, he's a real rapper. Yeah, he's on a dream. Yeah, 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 that's how I know his name. <laughs> and then there's the other one, little baby. Like, what the fuck? Kids are taking over. Kids. I'm pretty sure the dude's older than me. One of them. Right. <laughs> and the baby, but he's like thirty. <laughs> Oh man, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Hall of Fame. Shout <laughs> out to everybody who got uh, inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame. Shout out to you guys. Um, so, I guess we can move on to the fights for the evening. So, I will briefly kind of run through Glory 67, uh, since I know you didn't get to watch. And I didn't see the whole card anyway, so I won't spend a ton of time on this. But I'll give it a mention. Uh, Glory 67 went down in Orlando on, let's say, Saturday. I might be wrong. One of those days, Friday or Saturday. <laughs> but um, uh, this card was headlined. I was going to get this wrong. Headlined by Petch Panrung, Kyat Mukau uh, versus Anvar Boyanarazov. Yeah, Boy I definitely said that wrong. <laughs> For the Glory Featherweight Championship. Uh, I mean, all I can say is kind of patch going to patch, um, leg kicks, lots of body kicks, like, Anvar just kind of never get anything really consistent going, and just kind of the longer the fight went on, you just, you, you kind of knew where it was going, it's like, alright, this, this is just going to be a, a patch fight, like, Anvar can't really... He just, he just can't seem to really get anything going. And Patch is just... Patch is doing Patch things. If you, if you haven't seen him fight, I would, I would suggest going back and watching uh, watching some Patch fights. Dude, just his body kicks, that, that left body kick is always, like, super on point. He has a couple of good highlight real KOs in glory. Um, I cannot remember the name of the gentleman he head kicked. But he, uh, he like, reset that man's life batteries. It was kind of wild. <laughs> But, um, no, nah, man, uh, Pat, Patch is a beast, man. At, at Featherweight, at Glory, I don't know who's going to crack the code. <clears throat> there are a couple of other Featherweights out there. Actually, speaking of, uh, the co-main event was Asa, Asa Ten Pao versus Hosam El uh, Kasri. Uh, Asa Ten Pao won. That, that, there was a, a pretty entertaining fight. Lots of, uh, there were a lot of spins going on. Everybody was spinning everywhere, trying to hit a uh, spinning something. Um, but that, that was a pretty fun, entertaining back and forth scrap. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, 
I don't know if that win uh, for Asa, he won via unanimous decision. I don't know if this win books him for a title shot against Petch, but maybe it puts his name in the conversation. But uh, shout-outs to Asa. Like I said, it was, a, it was a fun, entertaining fight. A, a lot of fisticuffs being thrown, and everybody was spinning everywhere. So that that was fun. Uh, D'Angelo Marshall uh, going to heavyweight. D'Angelo Marshall defeated uh, Jafar Wilness uh, via unanimous decision. I actually didn't get to watch that fight, so I can't comment on it. Uh, at lightweight, Elvis uh, Gashi versus Justin Houghton. Um, the fight lasted all of about 20-plus seconds, and Elvis caught Justin with a nasty body kick and just kind of just killed him. Like, it was so well-placed. Um, if you got a chance, the whole card is on Fight Pass, so you can go back and watch it. Um, but that was a nasty body kick KO. Um, so shout-outs to Elvis Gashi. He got a win at lightweight. And uh, the last fight on the main card, also at featherweight, Abraham Vidalez versus Trevor Rogan. Uh, Abraham Vidalez won via unanimous decision, but I didn't get to watch that fight, so I cannot uh, comment on it. And just a quick few mentions of the Super Fight Series fight. Um, actually, this gentleman might end up getting a rematch against Patch. Um, Kevin Kevin Van Nostrand. Uh, Defeated uh, Sergey Adamchuk in a fight that was a very, very flat fight <laughs> from Adamchuk. Like, he just didn't, he just didn't do a whole lot. Like, just very, very flat. Um, and Kevin went out, handled business. He got a win. So, I don't know, he, he might be front runner of the pet sweepstakes. Um, and the only other fight I'll mention that I actually got to watch was Ross Levine. Uh, against Thomas Diagne, because I'm all for head kick KOs, and uh, Ross killed the man with a head kick KO, and I'm all for that. Um, but that's pretty much all I got for Gory 67. Uh, the whole card is on Fight Pass, so if you have Fight Pass, go back and give it a watch. Pretty uh, some, some good fights on there, so you can go give that a look. And unless I'm missing any any other cards, any other fights, gotta mention before we get to this uh. <laughs> it's UFC 239. Uh, let me check real quick, cause I, I think that's really it. Like, yeah, I don't think much. I don't think much happened. Like, I mean, there, there are always fights, but in terms of you know ones that we would actually cover on this podcast, I don't. I don't think there was a ton really going on. This which weekend. is crazy. Um, someone. Uh, there were a bunch of people talking about on uh, Twitter yesterday about how weird it was. There was an international fight week this week in Vegas, and no promotion saw it fit to actually put on a card in Vegas. Because that, that happens all the time in wrestling. Like, you know, UFC's in t- uh, not UFC, the WWE's in town for like WrestleMania or the Royal Rumble or something, and you know you're going to have a lot of wrestling fans in town, so they just put on a card the night before. Like on Saturday or a Friday or something, and you know you try to get people to come in the door that way. It's, it's really it's like I don't know if people thought the UFC was going to run like back to back cards, or um. To be honest, I'm kind of glad they don't do that. Anyway. Yeah, like that was kind of exhausting. remember when they did three nights in a row. Yes, <laughs> but uh, I don't know what we did that week. <laughs> I, I think we just hated ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But like nobody, like the, there's no tough this so far this year, um, and uh, you know the 
for whatever reason, the UFC need the UFC needs as many of these title fights to be on pay per views as possible, except for like Andrade and Shevchenko, because if Max Holloway can't break a hundred thousand, what do you think Andrade and Shevchenko are gonna do? You know what I mean? So, um, my my assumption, like I, I'm kind of surprised that like PFL or Bellator or um, even like a small regional promotion didn't do it. But then again, I've heard Vegas is like a hard ass town to get a card booked in. Um, if you're not like a big promoter, so I don't know. I, I just thought that was really weird. Like on this week, where it's supposed to be like the biggest week for mixed martial arts in the. It was, it was yeah, like outside of what was happening with the UFC, it it was a very low key week. Like card, they didn't even bother running cards in other cities. That's the crazy part. Like there was no Bellator card this week. There was no PFL card at all this week. And with the synergy from like ESPN Plus, you would have figured, oh, we'll put on a card and I don't know. Where does PFL put on cards? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea where that where the Thursday night game. Yeah, goes. like you, you figured they would have done something <laughs> to try to capitalize on like all this MMA buzz, but no. Oh, they'll be in Atlantic City on the eleventh. Who's fighting on that card? Uh, Chris Curtis and Megamed Megamed Karamov. Is that? Which actually should be a pretty good fight. That's the same card with uh, Kayla Harrison on here, Sarah Kaufman, Recuper the Third versus John Howard. See, if it wasn't on a thir- Friday or Thursday, I'd go. But yes, yeah, actually, it's pretty. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's quality. But if it wasn't on a Thursday, I'd go. But otherwise, it's two hours away. So, oh God, now I'm seeing Thurman Pacquiao commercials. That's a sign to move on. <laughs> Point being, yeah, the, the light was was pretty weak, uh, not weak like weak, but uh, the 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 week was pretty light uh, in terms of fight. and news. But you know news what? Weird. That's a that's a good thing though, because this 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 UFC two thirty nine, uh, there there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> There's a lot to go on for a card that went by pretty fast because a lot of people died very quickly. Um, there, there are some conversations to be had about a lot of these fights. I mean, we could have a uh, whole three-hour conversation about what's wrong with Luke Rockhold. Yeah, I want to say these. The first three fights could be a whole podcast in themselves. Or maybe not the first three. I, don't think. New, I, new I mean, I feel like I could sit here and talk about every single one of these main card fights for a good hour. Each. Yeah, yeah. And not and it was crazy. And not running out of shit to say. Yeah, yeah and I was going to say, like, I, I didn't even really care about the Sanchez-Kiesa fight. But it, it gave me something. I got, I got something. Especially after I watched that interview this morning. I, I, did, I finally actually watched it. I, I didn't watch it when it originally... Uh, and stories had really sent it to us. I finally watched it this morning. Um, boy, oh boy, very telling. Very telling of some things <laughs> that, I, that I'll get to. But, running from the top. UFC 239 went down last night on Saturday. And, uh, where were they at? What city is this? I don't pay attention to these things. Oh, Vegas. Oh, yeah, Las Vegas. Yeah, we, we <laughs> the T Mobile Arena. <laughs> yeah, Las Vegas. 
headlined by John Jones and Tiago Santos, co-headlined by Amanda Nunes and Holly Holm. So, John Jones, uh, Tiago Santos. So, for the listeners, um, I told Antoc Cool this before we started recording. Uh, I have to give a quick story on how I watched this fight. So, TJ Dillis heart broke in your house. Basically, <laughs> TJ Dillashaw sent uh, one of his little foot soldiers uh, into my house. Um, so I saw the first round, and I'm on the phone with my homeboy. Shout out to my homeboy Davon. He, he hit me up. So I was kind of giving him play-by-play of the first round. I'm like, yeah, I like what Santos is doing. He's landing, you know, nothing too crazy is happening, but I really like these leg kicks. He's landing, you know, and he's not taking a ton of damage. He's looking good. He's looking okay out there. First round goes by, second round starts. I, I maybe get like 10 seconds into the second round, and then I hear an uproar in my house, and there was a snake in my house. Um, so I had a snake debacle in my house from about, I forgot what time this fight was on. So we're going to say between 11.30 maybe midnight until about 2 in the morning. Um, I won't go into the details. I'll just say that snakes are a lot faster <laughs> than what I thought. And I don't do snakes. So this this was a, a debacle in the household. None, none of us really, uh, we're not about the snake life in here. Um, it's the first time I've actually ever seen a snake in this house. So, um... Yeah, so I missed most of the, I missed pretty much all of this fight in real time because I had to deal with a snake that I ended up not even catching. Um, so TJ Dillashaw sent the snake into my house. I don't know what he stole, but he got out of here. So I missed the fight. So I had to rewatch it this morning. But upon rewatch, um, <clears throat> where do I start? Where do I start? Should I just fire off from the hip? Should I just throw the hot take out? Yeah, it's a go for it. Santos125, man. Stop playing. (laughs) (laughs) Santos125. So, I went back and I watched this fight this morning. Now, keep in mind, I'm I'm running off for four hours of sleep right now because I had to stay up dealing with this snake that I ended up not even catching. I'm a little tired. I'm a little woozy. Maybe my judgment is impaired. But I woke up and I watched this fight this morning. And um, I know, and, I, and to make sure I wasn't, you know, to, to, to be fair, I, I did go and I looked up the, uh, and I don't do this often, but I, I went back and I looked at the fight metrics. And I think, statistically, Jones did have better stats, I want to say. Like, he landed at, like, a higher percentage. I think he landed... I think Tiago threw more, but Jones, like, landed more at, like, a more efficient percentage. So, all right, statistically, yeah, he won. Eye test, man. I'm not going to argue if you said Jones won. I'm going Santos 1-2-5. What I saw in this fight was, obviously, a, a ton of leg kicks from both. Like, this was, like... If any of you have seen the movie uh, uh, Bloodsport, there was a scene, I can't remember which fight John claude was in, but like him and the guy just kept trading body kicks. Like they just went body kick for body kick. 
I felt like this was a lot of that. There was a lot of just you getting kicked somewhere below your waist. <laughs> or if not, like when Jones would get close, and this was something I knew that Jones would have to be wary of, and it was why I thought this fight was so interesting. Like, anytime Jones got within range, like, if he threw a kick and kind of stuck around in the pocket too long and didn't move, Santos was, was just uncorking on him. Um, and he, he was throwing a couple bombs. I, I don't know if any of them ever really landed, like, flush. But he, he definitely, you know, he gave Jones that warning, like, you can't hang around in this pocket too long because it's, it's not going to go go well for you. And even Santos with that busted up knee. Like, you, you would see at moments he was kind of, like, limping around. It looked a little, I don't know if he tore it or, or what really, really happened. But you, you could tell by, like, round three he was kind of, uh, something something was a, a little wrong. But he was still kind of putting in work. Like, Jones, I thought Jones did a good job of, like, controlling the fight in terms of I'm taking the center of the octagon. I'm, I'm kind of the one, like, doing most of the pushing forward. And Santos was kind of using, like, movement to kind of circle around on the outside, get some leg kicks off, and if Jones, like, invaded his space, he would kind of uncork on him. But I just... Like, Jones landed some good shots, but I felt like Tiago's were more just umph, for lack of a better word. Like, it was just a little more heat behind it. Um... It was a close fight, so I'm, I'm not going to say, like, Santos, like, washed him. Mean, it, it wasn't one of those, because you, you have to give Jones credit for controlling the, the pace of the fight. He's the one kind of dictating everything. He's the one walking forward pretty much the entire time, and he did land a lot, you know, he landed a lot of good leg kicks, some oblique kicks. Um, I think he tried, like, a flying knee at one point. I don't know if it really landed, but he went he went for it. Um Hmm. I thought Santos did enough. I, I I could have saw this being a fight where he could have won by like the skin of his teeth. Um, I just felt like his to me his hit seemed more uh, 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 impactful. Yeah, impactful because like there were there were just it seemed like there were moments when Jones wasn't like doing a whole lot. Like I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it was close, so I'm not like I said. I'm not. I'm not you know gonna argue against anybody who picked Jones, but I, I'm <laughs> Santos one two five. Like I, I, I'm going Santos one two five. I will say though, I was really surprised that at no point because Jones didn't shoot for a takedown even once. He shot once, but it was off of like a kick, and it, it, like it, Santos was really quick about like just turning the other way and just going. Like dragging himself to the cage and like Jones just gave up on it immediately. Yeah. Like and he turned it into that spinning back elbow that he almost landed in like the second round. Um but yeah. uh yeah, no, he did not shoot. Yeah. I was surprised because that if and I wrote this in my write up that uh if Jones was to win, I kinda envisioned him like maybe Santos would catch him with like one power shot and Jones would be like, All right. I'm going to take him down, I'm going to get top control, and I'm just going to elbow this man into oblivion. Or submit him, like, because, you, you know, if Jones gets on top of you, it's, it's, it's pretty much over. So I was I was really surprised that he didn't actually um, shoot. And another thing, and I'll, I'll let you go after this, kind of to piggyback something you said 
uh, off of Tumblr, which I guess kind of does show a, I guess you would call it a chink in Jones's armor. He's kind of, I'm trying to think of the word. If you have good, like, length, not because obviously at 205, probably nobody has, like, his height and reach, but if you have decent length and you have that kind of power that Santos has, Jones is not, like, the best boxer in the world. Yeah, he is. Like, he is fundamentally flawed as a boxer. Like, he doesn't even, like, he doesn't throw combinations. Um, he, he like he he just recently got into like moving his head on strikes, like slipping punches, and it's not all that amazing. Um, like if he, he he'll he'll miss the he'll make you miss the first one, but if you're throwing another punch, like he's there to be hit, and, and with like combinations. Um, what what makes him so hard to tag though is that he's six six. And his legs are like five feet long, right? <laughs> so he's able to just keep you at distance with those kicks, and like you have to cover a whole bunch of space to even get into range to like swing at him. And it gives yeah. him all the time in the he's... world to just move his feet and get out of distance. Yeah, his his flaws are kind of masked because he's so good. Like, and that, that's why like a lot of people try to discredit him and say, "Oh, well, if I was six six and whatever, whatever." You know, you should be as great as he is. But it's like, not everybody who has that frame can fight like that. Like, a lot of them don't know how to use. Right. <laughs> Some dudes are six, they, they're that tall, and they still don't know how to understand, like, how to utilize distance and, you know, things of that nature. So, I have to give Jones that credit. And that's why I always give his IQ such praise, because it's like, he fights so smart that his flaws just kind of get hidden. Because you can't really take advantage of him, because he's good at not, good at not, often putting himself in like a bad spot for you to really capitalize. Yeah, like you're not going to catch John Jones overextending on a jab like you would John Blahovich. Right. Right. But yeah, for, for me, I just I, I felt like Tiago Santos's shots were more just impactful. So I gave him the first, the second, and the fifth. But I, I won't I'm not, I'm not going to make a big fuss about it because Jones did control the bulk of the fight. And I don't think it also helped either that a, a couple of times where, like, we saw Tiago's knee was definitely, like, something was going on. Yeah, that, that, there, there were just moments. That where, thing is torn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there were moments where, like, John would land, like, a leg kick or a oblique kick. And he was visibly, like, like, he was trying to hide it. <laughs> but he was visibly, like, limping and, like, there, it just looked like moments where, like, it would just give out for a second. And I think if a judge sees that, and, you know, rightfully so, you look at that like, oh, that's damage. That's, and like, Jones did that to him. So, you know, I get that. You'd have to take that into account. So that's why I said I won't argue anybody who said Jones, but, hey, man, I'm dying on the hill. Santos won too fast. But, you know, what, what were your, uh, what, what were your Um, Like you, I thought Santos won, but I'm not, like, I, I, I don't think it was, like, I, I don't think it was the most, egregious thing to give Jones the fight. Um, I think he did enough in the second, third, and fourth round to win those rounds and, um, you know, take the fight that way. Um, I was, this is way, this was a way more competitive fight than Alexander Gustafson Jones won. I'm put that out there. Um, 
Well, let's start with Santos. Um, just all around best performance of his career, especially doing it for 80% of the fight on like one leg. Um, like, like you really, like, I really wish this fight could have happened with like, with him healthy. Um, and, and, and to be fair, like it was his fault that his leg gave out. Like he, those, a lot of his kicks don't, um, and Rogan actually pointed this out. Like he does, like when he plants, he doesn't really turn his knee. Like you're, you normally you go up on your like you, the ball of your foot, you twist with the you twist with the leg kick or any kick really, um, roundhouse kick, <clears throat> and uh, so you get you know put that torque that extra torque on your knee, and Santos didn't do that. He just planted his leg and do the kick, and it looked like his knee just fucking popped on him. Um, but the leg kicks were great. Um, the occasional flurries he was throwing to, you know, keep Jones off of him when he was getting too close along the cage were great. Um, the uh, uh, the the movement was good. It wasn't fantastic. Uh, I, I think he could have took the center a few times. Um, probably mitigated a lot of those the, the, the kicks of Jones, especially when Jones would go for something like spinning. And um, he would miss and, you know, end up with his back to the cage. Santos didn't hop, really hop on the offensive. He didn't really hop, and he didn't really circle back to the center of the cage, um, w- which I, I think would have benefited him. I, I know a lot, like, he had a lot of success with the leg kicks off the cage. Um, but, like, I, like I, I think any time you force Jones to meet you in the center... And you're the guy who <clears throat> is waiting on Jones to overextend or <clears throat> put something out there that you can counter. I I think the center of the cage is just a way better position because it. And Jones didn't go for here, but it, it leaves you less susceptible to being clinched up, where Jones is the best fighter of all time. Um. <clears throat> um. And like I I really wish that, like and the thing is if this fight was to happen again I think Jones would just murder Santos like he's great at making those adjustments uh, to hide its flaws um, and, and we've seen him capitalize on things that he he re- he picked up on in the first fight against be- uh, not better opponents but other opponents like Alexander Gustafson and you know Daniel Cormier. Um, <clears throat> Like I, I've been pretty tongue in cheek about uh, uh, Diego Santos' um, uh, title reign this past week. I, I, I think we talked about it last week. I was like, "Yeah, I picked Diego Santos," um, and I uh, like we saw a lot of the reasons why. Like he is good enough, scary enough that when he when you throw with him. Like you're always going to have something coming back, and right. he is the best leg kicker Jones has fought since Shogun, and that's like the that's post post second ACL surgery Shogun, who I'm not sure I've seen throw a leg kick since. Right. <laughs> so like, like Diego Santos has two th- had two things go. Like he is a dangerous, dangerous range striker in a division where. Everybody's kind of just like an inside boxer. Like Shogun's an inside boxer to to the extent, even though he's a counter puncher. Um, Rampage was a you know Rampage was the quintessential hook thrower. Like he doesn't counter you from long range. It's when you step into that mid range or in close, he 
will crack you with a counter hook. Uh, Rashad Evans, who's just like 5'11 and has no business being a range striker in, at like, heavyweight anyway. Um, <clears throat> you know. Um, who else? Uh, Machida, who is a range striker, but is realistically like a middleweight or even like a welterweight if he had started his career like now. Um, and like for Gus had success kicking with Jones. Uh, that that that's something that I think gets played down about their first fight. Like that's where he had, I think that's what set up a lot of his success, where he just did not concede that area of fighting to Jones, and it kind of set up those like those single shots that he was landing in the middle of the fight. Um, but to switch to the, the, like uh, there were there were avenues for Santos to win this fight that he um, heading into it that I really thought he would exploit. And I guess switching to Jones, I think Jones is, I don't know if he's on the decline or I don't know if he's gotten too comfortable or I don't know if like the absence of Greg Jackson um, is just like starting to really manifest itself in his game. But like Jones fought the worst possible fight here, right? Like the, the dumbest approach to fighting Diego Santos. Like, I'm going to get a ranged kickboxing match with the one guy I would not want to get into a ranged kickboxing match with. Like, a guy who has broken to lesser pressure fighters, like Dave Branch, or, um, what's the dude's name? Uh, uh, Eric Spicely and Gegger Musa. Well, I guess Gegger is, well, he's not as good as a pressure fighter, so... Yeah, I'll say lesser pressure fighter as than Jones. Um, like no, no wrestling, no, no clinch fighting. Like that is the area of fighting where John Jones arguably like is arguably the, at his best. And like Jones did everything he in his power to stay the hell away from the clinch in this fight. Um, I I don't I don't I know have... if this is like a Mike Wink John Winkle John like influence that's just like permeated his game but like the Jones that shoots for takedowns and beats dudes up in the clinch probably walks through Santos and I'm not sure why we didn't see that I think part of it is I feel like within his last I don't know how many fights but like last couple of fights I think he's gotten um a lot more comfortable just on his feet. And I think also part of it is, like, so- sometimes Jones, I feel like I remember this kind of early er in his career, where, like, he would beat people at what they were good at. Like, I felt like that was a thing. Like, is, but now it's starting to seem like, okay, is that, like, a thing, like, a psychological thing that John Jones likes to do? Or is Jones just incapable of bringing the fight to this to these other phases? Right. Like, does does he have to? Does his opponent actively have to fight Jones? Not fight Jones. Does his opponent actively have to take Jones to these places for Jones to adopt for him, for to, him do to do it. it, or is Jones choosing to do it on his own? Because I remember, like in the Glover fight, right. where I thought the one area Glover would do like halfway decent in would be if like they clinched, because he can, you know. 
Well, we all saw how that turned out. But right. <laughs> like, I remember him thinking like, oh man, he really like, and when he when he clinched, he he was working Glover in the clinch, and I was like really surprised at how like one sided it looked. So at, I remember at that point thinking like, oh, that's this, maybe this is just a Jones thing where he just kind of he'll take you into the area where you think you should have the advantage and he'll let you know like no you actually don't but i I guess for this fight see for for the glover fight it was different because it was so one-sided in this fight i i do think it might have been more of and i don't know like i don't know why you wouldn't be able to i mean obviously you don't want to just blindly shoot in on tiago because you you know that can end yeah yeah, like like, i'm not not saying like he should have been out here doing the ben askren like it was just the fact that he just didn't... It, it seemed like it wasn't even a part of the game plan. Like, it wasn't even really a... A thought. A thought, yeah. Like, he was really just content with just, okay, we'll just have this little at-range kickboxing match. And and, and it, I think what makes you kind of question it is that it's not like he was in an at-range kickboxing match and it was like a one-sided, you know, oh, I'm really handling this dude. It's like, dude, you're... You almost lost. You... Yeah, you almost lost. Like, you can pull up the stats. They were pretty close. And <laughs> if Santos would have landed more, because when I looked at the stats, he he threw a lot more than Jones did. He just didn't land as much. But I felt like what he landed was a lot harder. But it's like, dude, this fight was really... This was really close. Like, you really... If, if Santos in any of those rounds, especially if in, like, round, like, five, if he, if he could have possibly just clipped them, like, one time... And not even like finished them, just like maybe dropped them or stunned them, he would have stole around and probably would have won the fight. Like that's how close it was. So I, I don't know. I, I think I, I do think you're right though. If they rematch, <laughs> Jones is a machine with like rematches. Dude is like he, he's way too smart to to make the same mistake twice. Like my um, only caveat is like Santos would theoretically have two working knees. So like yeah. maybe maybe that makes the like I I there there were points in this fight when Santos did come forward where he just like he like he obviously didn't run away with it but like, he was just straight up winning like immediately after hurting his knee on that kick he started coming forward because I think he was like okay I don't have much time left yeah I gotta I gotta start uh, yeah and it. like he he put some offense on Jones like it like he he, yeah. he ended. Up, uh, he threw like a four or five punch combination where he missed most of the but he connected on one that was really clean. And, you know, Jones is just built fucking iron tough um, and, you know, was able to eat it. But, like, he came forward in the. And in those exchanges, Jones didn't want yeah. that smoke. Like, he, 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 was, he was on his guy. He was on his group system. Like, I'm going to slip all the way out and then just run to the center of the cage. Yeah, because I don't want nothing Right. Like, um, another thing, like, uh, this fight reminded me of, like, the, the situations they found themselves in reminded me a little bit of, like, the Machida fight, where mm. Machida's along the cage, and Jones is kicking at him, and Jones didn't get it on the first try, but, like, he shot on Machida after he kicked him into the cage. Like, I really expected that type of fight from Jones, where, like, I'm going to kick him to the knee, like, into to the knee, to the body, wherever... He's going to bounce off the cage, and then I'm going to shoot in a, with a double leg. And even if I don't get it, I'll be in a position where I can leverage that into another, like, uh, another, like, takedown. We didn't see that. So this has me wondering, is this just because the division is catching up to him in size? Because, yeah, Shogun, 
not a big dude. Machida, not a yeah. big dude. Evans, not a big dude. Rampage was a big dude, but like, if like, he was also kind of past at that point and really one dimensional. But like, Santos is six. Like, I didn't realize this until the stare down. Santos is. Like, I always knew he was huge, but he did not look that much smaller than Jones. Nah, yeah, they were. He was looking up up at him, but not by yeah. much. Like, yeah, he was he was almost there. And, and I'll say not even we, we can close this out in a second, but not even not even just the division catching up to him by size. But a lot of these dudes are just they're way more like explosive now. Like you he can't really afford to be you know, I mean like we saw it in this fight. You can't be standing around in the pocket too long with some of these new dudes. They they're gonna go right. for it. And they can connect and knock you out if they catch like, you. Like um Dominic Reyes and Johnny Walker are six four and six five respectively. Like, right. And and they can they can throw, like they connect. They they can put you out. Um. If I don't like obviously I don't think either one is as good as Jones, but like if they can force that type of exchange with Jones, like there's no reason they can't knock him out or not knock him out, but like hurt him. Yeah. Get, get, get him into some trouble. I, I guess, real quick, just two quick closing questions, and then we'll we'll move on to the co-main. Um, it theoretically, and I, I don't think it, if it were to happen, the, theoretically, if they were to rematch, uh, just quick quick adjustments both fighters should make. Uh, Jones has to shoot. Um, Santos has to come forward more. He has to get behind his jab, um, attack the body. Uh, cause he, he he started doing this after his knee gave out. Um, you know Jones would like pull his head all the way out, but his body would still be there. So I I would like to see more like of those like left hands to the body, um, from Santos. Um, but Jones like like when you get Santos into that position where he is a long defense and he has his head squared, shoot. Run the single leg. Like, his leg was freaking, like, only one of his legs worked. <laughs> right. <laughs> but grab that broken leg. <laughs> like, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Like, Jones. Yeah, like, that's what, that, that's what gets to me. Like, people are talking about, like, Jones didn't throw any punches. Like, I don't care about that. Like, Jones, Jones is not a boxer. He's, he's a wrestler. Where, where's yeah. the wrestling? Like, he, Yeah, because if he would have shot, you probably could have ended this fight. Probably about like round yeah. three. This could have been over. Um, but I, I agree. Jones, Jones, if if they were to rematch, you got to shoot. Tiago, just <laughs> hopefully both knees work and just take the center more. Because with that kind of power, he can get away with. There are things that he can get away with that other fighters can't. Right. And you, you have to use that to your advantage. But great, great, great performance from Santos, man. Uh, I, I was happy. He fought a really smart fight. Just. When your knees go out, man, <laughs> especially against a guy like Jones, you know. Yeah, what are you really going to do? Like, Yeah, what, what can you do? I, but, what, what, hey, I have a question for you. What What do you think these recent John Jones performances say about a potential run at heavyweight? Cause, Not yeah, cause, And the thing is, I've never, I've wanted to see Jones at heavyweight, but I've never actually been under the assumption that if he went to heavyweight, that he would dominate because i just kind of like we alluded to earlier i think one of jones's weaknesses is if, if if he fights somebody who 
has that kind of power that Santos has, which everybody has that heavyweight, like, when Jones can't get away with, oh, I can muscle dudes around and, you know, it's dudes that, you imagine some of those leg kicks at heavyweight? If he would have caught some of those from some other guys, like. Like, I I think a dude like Francis Ngannou is, like, a nightmare matchup. Nightmare, yeah. For Jones. Yeah. Like, 80-plus yeah. inch reach. Especially because Jones's boxing is not that right. great. Right. Like, um, yeah, no, like th- this fight more than anyone. Like, if we like, and I think I think they're prepping for it. Like, J- Dana was doing like was in full on John Jones defense mode after the fight. Um, in the post fight where he's like, John Jones dominated every minute of the fight. I don't know what you guys are talking about. It sounds like they have plans for him. So maybe it's just they're doing the MSG card. Maybe they have a plan to have Jones fight a heavyweight against um, Stipe should he win, or I don't even know if he loses, like, because I don't think DC's going to want that fight. Um, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't like his long, like, maybe, like, in an individual matchup, but I don't like his long-term, like, if he was to try to make a run through the entire division, like, I don't like his long-term, like, outlook. And if, if he was if he was to make a long term run, he can't fight like he did yeah. that fight. He that wrestling, you you gotta bring that out every fight. Like you you can't lead a wrestling. You need on. to be on top. And, right. And and real quick before we close out, uh if if he stays at two oh five, who who do you want to get the next card? Um Assuming it's not Tiago Santos and they don't give him a run. It doesn't sound like they will, unfortunately. Um I don't know, like it seemed pretty clear that they wanted it to be Luke Rockhold. But, uh... Yeah, we'll good yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't think you could do Jan, right? Like, could you? I mean, it, from the sound, it might be Dominic Reyes. Um, I don't think he's ready for that fight. Especially after the Vulcan fight. Though, yeah. granted, I think Vulcan's probably a better boxer than Jones, if we're being real. Um, or at least a more aggressive one. Um, I don't know. Um, fuck it. Throw him Johnny Walker. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's a coin flip between Reyes and Walker. Like, we still don't even know what Walker really is yet. But with that size and athleticism, hey, man. I'm, why why I'm the down. hell not? <laughs> right. Why not? Let's just see what happens. Um, because kind of like Santos, he kind of has that freak factor where it's just kind of like, we don't know what this guy might go in and just go berserk. We have no idea what he, you know, J- Jones might not be ready for this. We, or maybe he is. We don't know. We, we just have to. The, the, just, just, and, I mean, yeah. Anthony Smith is still right there. He just beat Alexander Gustafson. Um, so, like, that that's a potential freaking rematch that nobody wants. Um. I don't know, maybe you do Smith versus Blahovich and the winner gets Jones and you hide Reyes for another fight. Um, have him fight like uh Or maybe you do Corey Anderson. Like Corey Anderson's been out here grinding, like I kinda of forgot about him. <laughs> Completely forgot about him. He has been out here though. I mean he's looked be- he's looked but, uh, better. Like Yes, yeah, he has. He's on a three fight win streak, you know. Well, We'll, we'll we'll see, but 
Congrats to Jones, though. Still the champ. We'll see. But we'll probably see him we'll probably see Jones at uh, the the New York card the MSG card in November yeah I'll give it to Jones he's been active I, I appreciate yeah. that he's, he's it's probably active. the only thing keeping him out of trouble mm. <laughs> moving on speaking of trouble tr- trouble came speaking of Mike Winklejohn fighters underwhelming Amanda Nunes Versus Holly Holm, women's bantamweight title. Murder. Boy, I feel feel bad, man. I, I, I was throwing on the cape for Holly. I felt like people were disrespecting her. I was like, you know what? Holly's going to find a way to grind out a, a five-round fight that might not be real pretty, but, you know, she'll she'll find a way. And she found a way on her back. Yeah, I just feel to be wrong. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, when the fight first started, I was like, you know what? I kind of expected this. It's going to be a real tense, little technical, you know, fight. Everybody's going to pick their shots, you know. Nobody's going to try to do anything too crazy, you know. Maybe somebody will land a clean one here and there, but they'll just reset and get back to it. I thought we were going to get that for five rounds. Um, and it, it was one of those kind of little tight technical matches, dude. You know, picking strikes really good. Nobody's trying to overextend. You know, you got to respect the other fighter's game. Try not to get caught with anything. But, like, Nunez has, like, the perfect mix of just powerful but accurate. Like, so, like Nunez, her number one skill set, if you watch her feet, it's, um, she stays on your center line. Like, she is just always ready to attack it. And it's actually kind of scary considering how fucking hard she hits. Um, but like, I, I, I know I was rewatching the, uh, the Rousey fight, the Rousey fight, um, earlier this week. I was like, damn, she, like, there's a point where she hits her with like a two punch combination. Uh, like, I, I want to say it was like a, uh, overhand to hook. Hits a, hits a corner and Rousey, Rousey being the technical savant that she is, that she was <laughs> just kind of stood, you know, just kind of turn to face her as opposed to like, okay, I'm going to circle out now, or I'm going to disengage. And Amanda Nunes, not missing a beat, just fires a back with like a one, two, three. Like, just just like, hits, it, hits the angle, is already facing her center line, and just starts firing again. Like, that has to be scary when, like, someone's able to stay on you like that. And it's it's almost not fair because like, if you want a brawl, she's there to like, not not saying she's there to be hit, but like, she's in that range to where like, if you want to throw, we can throw. Right. But if you throw, just know that <laughs> you're you're not gonna make it. <laughs> and poor Holly, like like I said, a, a lot of the fight, you know, they're, they're picking shots. Nobody's trying to do anything too crazy, but I could just feel it like. It felt like after, a, like, a minute or two, Nunez started to just kind of settle in. Shots start having a little more sting on them. She's just starting to look a little more comfortable. And it's like, oh, no, is it is it coming? Like, <laughs> the, the kill shots around the corner. Like, she just starts to look way more comfortable. I think Holly Corder would maybe, like, one good shot. But, like, you just kind of felt like, all right, but Nunez is she's about to get off, isn't she? And... Her timing of this kick 
was so it happened so fast like she caught holly in one awkward moment and was able to just put her away like holly threw i think she threw like a left she threw that michelle waterson i'm going to chamber my kick sidekick and got ended up being the same exact freaking kick in return that uh that waterson (laughs) needs yeah she and the thing is, she was in such a bad position because she she threw like a left, and then she tried to like she tried to duck out, and then she went for like the sidekick, but she got caught in this awkward position where she was like, kind of in the middle of the sidekick, but kind of like just right. that. It, it almost seemed like she didn't know if she was gonna fully commit to this or if she was gonna. I don't know. It was weird. From the looks of it, like, like she didn't even have an angle on it. Like it looked like she was trying. She started off with like trying to be like a front kick, but like Nunez was too far to Holly Holmes' left, so she tried to change it into like an oblique side kick. And in that time, Nunez just decided to fucking kick her head off. Right. <laughs> Nunez like I don't know what you're trying to do, but I'm yeah I'm I, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> And, yeah, so Nunez kind of gets caught with her, I mean, uh, Home gets caught, her foot, like, halfway, her foot was, like, in indecisive mode. Like, her foot didn't know what it was trying to do, and Nunez just fires off a head kick. Doesn't even hit her with the shin, catches her with, like, the bottom of the foot, and still, like, puts her down, and she eats some punches. And you knew it was bad, because when when Holly, like, got back up, and Herb Dean went over to her. She hit this like triple step stumble backward. Like she was, she was yeah. Out. Like Holly Holm fans, y'all some weird motherfuckers. Like y'all here claiming that she got robbed versus Cyborg and that this fight was stopped way too early. It's just like mm-hmm. she wasn't completely out yet. I'm like, yeah, no shit. No, nah, she was. <laughs> you don't have to be completely Herb, out. <laughs> yeah, if, if if Herb Dean wasn't there, she would have stumbled and probably just fell. Dude, like. Like, like Ali Holm is one of the toughest like people I've ever seen fight. Like she, if you, like you've seen the um, her getting knocked out by uh, Anthony P. Mathis, right? Where she gets like caught in the like, ropes, and she, yeah. like Mathis is still punching her, <laughs> and she's taking it. But like, you know, it, it takes a lot to put her out. My point being, but like. This this isn't a fight until you are unconscious type of thing. This is a fight until the ref thinks you are taking way too much damage and it's time to be over thing. Like, I I don't need to see Amanda Nunes, the hardest puncher, maybe in, like, women's combat sports right now, um, land three or four punches more on the clearly not all there. Who is like not even trying to like get a takedown? She's like trying to push Amanda Nunes away while she's on the ground. It's really weird. Um, yeah, yeah, she. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Matt Matt Nunes is a scary yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, in, in my write up of this fight, I, I I said in reference to the main event and 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 this fight as well. Like a, a lot of this to me was like just legacy, like. Both of these champs were pretty much etched in stone already. We we know how they get down. We know what they've done so far. All of the fights now are just kind of like, how much greater can I make myself to put myself in this this, this goat category? Like I'm, I ain't gonna say I'm padding stats, but 
it's legacy. Like, these fights now was just me making myself that much more impressive. So when we start looking back at where I am in history, you got to put me up there with, like, the all-time. Exactly. Like, my name has to be in that conversation now. But Amanda Nunez's resume is... is... (laughs) Unparalleled in women's combat, women's MMA. She beat, like, she beat the Trinity. Or the, 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 I don't know if there's a quad term for it. Like, at the time, she beat, when she beat Rousey, she beat Tate. And, uh, beating Rousey, Tate, and Cyborg is, like, the trinity. And then just add on Shevchenko and now Holly Holm. Like, that's the GOAT women's resume. It it, it doesn't, you, you can't get any better than that. And it's not like the, outside of the Shevchenko fights, like, these weren't really competitive. Like, she, she, she washed everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and even then, like, the the only competitive Shevchenko fight was the second one. Like, the first one involved Amanda Nunes arguably getting, like, two, ten, eight rounds in the first two rounds before tiring out in the third. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's, uh, that's, that's goat status right there. That is, uh... What makes this especially, um, like, impressive to me is that, like, for, Holly Holm just fights the level for competition, like, a lot. Like, the only, uh, the only case where she didn't is, like, the Ronda Rousey fight, who, because Ronda Rousey was, like, the only one crazy enough to believe that she could just freaking close distance by jumping at her. But, um... Like the Betchkohea fight, she arguably wasn't even winning when she knocked her out. The uh the what's it called fight? The the Rocky fight. Like, you know, one of the judges gave it to Rocky. Um the but like the Chris Cyborg fight. That was a competitive fight that Cyborg won. But Holly Holm did better than most people probably expected. Um the uh the Misha Tate fight. She was arguably winning before she got uh, before she got subbed in the fifth round. Like this was straight up. Amanda Nunes came out there and just murdered her. Yeah. So that that's super impressive from that standpoint. Um. Yeah. No. Uh. I I didn't appreciate Dana White implying that Cyborg didn't want the uh, the Nunes rematch. That was stupid. That's 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 the only fight left for Nunes if if we're talking about like um market not marketability but like you know uh like you're trying to draw a crowd. Right, you you got to do something at featherweight. <laughs> like, you you got to if you're gonna something. let her wear wear the belt around, you you know you gotta you gotta have her do you fight somebody. Um, right. Such a yeah. She she is she yeah. I, I feel like after her next fight, if she wins, like <laughs> I don't know who else you fight. Like just go ascend to the heavens and just take your place on the throne somewhere. Right. Like just <laughs> just just go chill out. Like you've done everything. There's nothing. You you've murdered everybody. You've conquered all the land. Like, like if this was me, I'd try to get that cyborg fight redone, 
but that would I don't think the UFC wants to do it because I don't think they want Cyborg. <laughs> I think they're too much of a headache for her. Uh, she's too much of a headache for them. And Dana White can't seem to stop burying her at every opportunity. Um, like I'm trying to think of like what they could do. Like, like they mentioned Ketlin Vieira during the uh, during the broadcast, but like I don't know where Ketlin Vieira is. Like no one's like right, we... and that's the thing. Like nobody's even bothered like from like the journalistic standpoint to like check in on her and be like, hey, um, are are you okay? Like. How long, how far are you from coming back? Right, like what's good? Like <laughs> we we've been asking about you for a little bit. You know, no nobody's heard from you for well, a while. Maybe we should put into like her manager or something. We have to get her on the show. Hey, uh, does she speak English? I, I don't I don't remember. God. But like you know, yeah. just put something out there. Like be like, hey, is Kelly Vieira okay? Like. Do you does she have a timetable for when she wants to be back? Um, yeah. Inquiring minds, we would like to know. Yeah. Just gotta find out who her manager is and shoot him a message or something. See if that'll work. But like, um, in terms of like who Nunes could fight next at one thirty-five, I mean, it's not like they don't have prospects. Um, We'll 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 get the full scoop on her at one thirty five soon. But Nico Montano is moving up. Um, the only women's UFC champion that Amanda Nunes hasn't beaten from like one twenty five and up. Um, you know Juliana Pena is coming back, and people were arguing that she was the woman to beat Nunes back when she fought um, Shevchenko, just because of, you know the pace she likes to set. Um, Aspen Ladd has a big fight coming up next week. Yeah, I think Ladd might be the next in line if she if she shows up. I th- I think so, but I'm I'm not confident she wins that fight. Like I'm picking her, but I'm not like it's like a fifty five forty five deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you you got Macy Chieson, who's probably a long ways from being ready for the fight, but like if we're being real. Like they're not they're not gonna they're they're not gonna build her up slow. She's probably like two or three fights away from a title fight. Um and I ran out Donna, who's got a big fight coming up over Kel Pennington. Like there there are names for the fight. I just I don't know if people will find them as interesting as like, oh my god, the woman who knocked out Ronda Rousey. Um you know what I mean? You're right. Yeah. Um It's gonna gonna be some hard sales. For for people who aren't really in the know, or 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 like, I, or people who just aren't sold on like like sold on somebody like because I, I like, Aldana fought Betch Kohea close if we're being honest like she got touched. Um, and Chiasen and Ladd are still really young and really early in their career. Julia Pena is coming back from like, pregnancy and injury and all this other shit, and. uh yeah, this is what happens. There's not a lot of women in this division. Like, probably, we'll talk about her later. But like, shout out to Julia Villa, who uh, who made her debut earlier in the night. Like, she's somebody who I think will potentially get her way to a title shot. And I, yeah, she was she was throwing some hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, Nunez, man, you just you gotta put all the respect on her name, just. Legend, just 
That's all you. It's a legend. That's all you yep. can say. And R.I.P. Holly Holm. Good lord. <laughs> Speaking of R.I.P.s. Whew. Moving on. Welterweight. Jorge Masvidal. Ben Askren. How long can we no. talk about a five-second fight for? Right. <laughs> fight starts. Jorge had, when Jorge started the fight with his hands behind his back, I was like, oh, buddy, this is going to be fun. And immediately, the fight starts. Askren comes forward. And when Askren comes forward, you already know what he's trying to do. So Jorge said, oh, I know what you're going to do. I'll meet you there. I'm just going to run. And you're going to shoot. And I'm going to knee you. And you're going to die. And this happened. And to be honest, this fight was over really in like three seconds. It just took the rough an extra two to get over there. Mm-hmm. The fight was done the second that knee caught Askren like on the side. Oh yeah, no, he was dead. He was dead on impact. And then the extra two punches. That like, ugh. He ain't need to eat those. But Jorge was right. I, I watched his press conference this morning. It's, it, my job is to keep punching until the ref says otherwise. Yeah, shout out to Jorge. Like, that's what I want to talk about. Jorge Masvidal at the post fight just completely fucking shutting down that journalist and all his critics. Just being like, oh, it's okay to talk all this shit before the fight. Disrespect my freaking, disrespect people's religions and families and, you know, kids and shit. But, like, once you want to celebrate a little after you knock somebody's motherfucking head off, like, all of a sudden you're the bad guy. Right. I'm 100% with that. With it. And, like, I've said this a couple times on this podcast. There are certain guys, like, I call them their fight. They're a fighter's fighter. Like, they're just certain dudes who are just kind of just, like, cut from a different cloth. Like, some some people fight, you know, honor. Some people fight for money. Some dudes are just fighters, man. Like, I think, like, literally that's just what they were put on this earth to do. And I think Jorge is just one of those... He's one of those guys, man. And like I said, it, it ain't a lot to analyze about the fight. He he need the man in five seconds and literally just soul left, body stiffened, cold. Like <laughs> he looked like a, a corpse out there. But I'm I'm really happy that like Jorge is, I, I guess like finally really getting some recognition. Cause we've been watching Jorge back like in the Strike Force days and. Um, I think he, he did. He fought in Bellator a couple times. Actually, ended up on a, a really bad Bellator highlight in that uh, Toby Mata fight. But he's been one of those guys who's just you. You wouldn't know it like by his age, but he's been fighting for a while, and he's been in a lot of just one of those guys who's consistently always fought really, really good competition. Sometimes maybe not coming out on the winning end, but a lot of times he has. Just, just. Let me re- uh, re- real quick, just re- reel off some names of just pe- people who he's been in there with, man. L- Luis Palomino, Paul Daly, KJ Nunes, Gilbert Melendez, Tim Means, Michael Chiesa, Pat Healy, uh, Rustam Kabalov, um, who, who, who else? Who, who else? Uh, Joe Lozon, Ellenberger, Ross Pearson, Ben Henderson, Cerrone, obviously, we know about the Maya, the, the Wonder Boy fight. Uh, Darren Crookshank, James Krause, like, 
every organization he's been in, this man has done nothing but fight, like, really good quality. He's always been a top fighter to me. He just never, sometimes he wasn't consistent enough. And, but, like, he's just always been one of those guys that he's really been around here for a while. And I feel like he's finally now starting to kind of get that, that recognition. Um, and at welterweight at that, which is just kind of wild. Because he's not a, a big, he's not like a big dude. Not. But he's just super skilled, man. Like, very well-rounded, really good boxing. As we saw in the Till fight, he, he can put you out. He, he, he can put hands on you. Dude is a, a, a problem, man. A, a, a problem. And I just think in this fight, he really had a mental edge over Askren. Like, he knew for sure. There was like he was gonna win this fight no matter what. Like he had it in his mind that he was he was gonna run through Aspirin. There was no other way this fight was gonna go. Yeah. And he he killed him. He literally killed him. Uh, dude, like fortunes change hella quick in this business, man. Like we were talking about Ben Askren as a title contender. Potentially, like, leapfrogging Kobe Covington. Like, he, he had all this hype. He was 19-0, former lip. He just goes out there and, and just, like, he might be retired now. Like, we can't under... We can't overemphasize how devastating a K... This is, like, one of the nastiest KOs I think I've ever seen in any form. Like, I'm talking, like, Street fights where like the dude's head hits the cement, like right. <laughs> God, like God damn. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't. Like, how do you come back from that? Yeah, I. <laughs> like... And that's the thing. Like I'm, like I, I, I was sitting here wondering, like, why is no one ever fucking just throwing a flying knee at Ben Askren? Uh, it makes all the sense in the world. Because you know exactly what he's trying to do. Like, his, if you've watched Ashton and Bellator and in one, like, it's the same thing every fight. You know exactly what he's trying to do. He never switches it up. And it's not even like he's, it's not even like he's one of those wrestlers that'll, like, try to use his striking to really set but things up. But he is up. not Damian Maya. No. He can't give you a one round where he can, like, actually somewhat competently box for a round. Like, he doesn't do that well, at that, all. Like, it's, it's not even that he doesn't box. Like, he, he he's there to be hit. Like, we saw this against Lawler. Lawler fucked him up. And it took him all of, like, 20 seconds to do it. So, like, I, I, it's just like, this dude is a walking heavy back. Just don't let him grab you. I mean, and obviously that's harder than it sounds, but, like... I, I think people have been so afraid of getting close with him that it's just like, well, is, is it worth the risk? And Masvidal was just like, fuck it. I want to hurt this man. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, Aspirin's not a guy, because he's like, what, 30? He's like mid 36, something like that. Aspirin's style is not going to change in his next fight. I guarantee you. Uh, how much can it change, really? Like, yeah. This dude already trains like with some of the best strikers in you know MMA, and he's still he's still yeah. what he is. So 
there's <laughs> I can envision his next fight being very similar to this. Maybe not as fast, but everybody should just Aspen, run to ask and throw fight me. Right. <laughs> like when the fight starts, just just blitz him. He's not gonna throw hands at you, and if he does, he's not gonna hit you with anything. Like, what is he gonna do? That's he has one weapon. That's that's all he has. You, you take that away from him, and it's he, he don't really got much to offer. So like, conceivably, I, I could see his next opponent literally doing the same thing. Like, and then you got to think for Askren: Does this in his next fight? Does he? not be so hesitant to shoot in, but, like, he has to, because he can't box. The man is not a good striker by any stretch. Like, I used to make fun of Jake Shields a lot, because he would try to box, but, like, he hit really soft. <laughs> it looked like he hit really soft. Like, Askren can't even really do that. Like, mm. Mm -mm. I, I, I'm just like, like we're going to get the K1 Askren phase, where he just tries to become a striker. <laughs> If I see Ben Askren throw one leg kick, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> I'm going to lose it. <laughs> but it's like, and this is this is the, see, like, there are specialists in, in MMA, like, like Amaya. Like, when you fight Maya, you know, you know what's coming. But at least Maya has his striking, or I say boxing, because he doesn't really throw a ton of kicks. He kind of has his boxing at least to a level where it's like, it's not great, but it's it's respectable enough that it's, you gotta at least like acknowledge it. And Askren doesn't like have that. Even with, with Jake Shields, who was not a good striker by any stretch of the imagination, he would at least throw. It, it didn't look like anything. <laughs> like... But he at least, he would throw something out there to at least make you like, all right, he'll, I can get past these punches. But I at least have to acknowledge that he's willing to throw a punch, no matter how soft it may look or unathletic. He, he's going to, he'll, he'll paw something out there. He might throw a little leg kick, try to get me to, he'll, he'll just throw something. It's like a placeholder. But Askren, it's like, dude, he, he don't even really do that. So it's. Like, I, I don't want to jump the gun and say, like, this is the end of Askren. But I'm like, <laughs> is this the end of Askren? How does he get better? Yeah. This could be where the train stops. Like, that. this could be it. Mm. But his body stiffened. Like, like, I've never seen a soul leave a body so fast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just... talk about fast. Talk about freaking Jorge Masvidal's just the 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 explosiveness of just him coming off the cage to the point where he murders Askren. Like, dude was just flying. Yeah, like he shot out of a cannonball and just instead of getting hit with a ball, it was a knee. Just, just right. Five seconds. Fast with KO UFC history. Just. <laughs> I didn't see this until. <laughs> I didn't see this until afterward. 
but when he kind of mocked Askren and did the, the whole body, yes. shit. <laughs> like I said, like I said, I'm with it. I'm with it. That was, that might be one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god! Corey Masvidal is like three and zero this year. Yeah, man, he is uh... knocked out Darren Till, <laughs> beat Leon Edwards, and now he knocked out Masvidal. <laughs> Fighter of the year. <laughs> he put he putting himself up there, and it's wild because uh uh I think Rebecca posted on Twitter like a day ago uh, a a thread of KOs of the year. And the first KO he mentioned was the one in PFL. I cannot remember the dude's name. The guy who killed my homie, uh, Damon Jackson, with the with the flying knee and dropped him on yeah. his face. This this got to be up there. There's a lot of good flying knee KOs this year, aren't there? There was yeah. a one to one. Uh, with was it? G- yeah, Jimmy BK. Yeah, that 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 knee was clean. And it's like all the all the knees are beautiful in their own right. Like the Martin Wynn one was like the setup was just so clean the way he did it. The the one in PFL, it was just the way for one, it was literally the only strike thrown the, the entire fight. And the way Damon Jackson just kind of fell. And then with this one, it's like, bro, you, you broke a record. Like you broke a record and you took away his undefeated. Oh, you might have just killed him. Right. Like it was <laughs> Man, oh man! But we still got other fights to get to, so we have to have to roll off of this. But my God, just salute to Jorge Masvidal, man. True vet of the sport, has kept himself just relevant, has been consistent as of late, moving up a weight class. Skills can carry you far. Mm-hmm. Don't gotta be the biggest. Don't gotta be the fastest. Don't gotta be the strongest, but when you're as skilled as, as Masvidal is, you you always have a chance. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Light heavyweight. Jan Blachowicz versus Luke Rockhold. I posted this yesterday on Twitter that on paper, Luke Rockhold should win this. But Jan Blachowicz is a pretty solid 205er, pretty competent, not really great at one thing, but, well, I guess they kind of label him as a grappler, but to me, when I watch him, he's not super talented at necessarily one thing, but, like, solid enough everywhere, and he can hit hard, and at 205, that's pretty much all you need, like, that, that'll get you far enough to where you, you, you can, you know, you, you can make a good career for yourself. Rocco comes out, throws a good a few good body kicks. They threw one uh, body kick like followed by left. I'm like, all right, Rocco, I like the aggressiveness coming out, new weight class, really trying to like assert himself. And then Rocco starts going for takedowns, and I wasn't mad at it because Rocco is another one of those guys to where if he gets like top pressure on you, if he can take you down and get on top of you, it's probably not gonna be a good night for you. Um, and he has pretty, he has some slick submissions. So I wasn't mad at the attempts. But there was just something about the longer this fight went on and the more like these attempted takedowns just kind of turned into clinch moments on the fence that turned into nothing. I was like, uh-oh. He's, uh, he's running out of options. <laughs> because 
he's throwing some kicks, but these are starting to not really be of any consequence. Like, Jan is kind of blocking them, and it's not like Luke is really disguising them any special kind of way. So it's like, Jan just has to get some offense going, and this fight might be, uh, it's, this could be over. And then one of the moments against the clinch, he caught, uh, Jan caught uh, Luke with a nice elbow. And then the, the end comes, where, was Luke trying to go for like a throw? At the end of the, Cause they, are you talking about the end of the first well, round or the second round? Well, I forgot, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I forgot, actually, let me, let me piggyback to the first round. Yeah, first round, he, he clipped Rockhold, like, behind the head, slash on the ear, and then throws a head kick at the very last second, and then, like, clips Rockhold on the ear and drops him. And at that moment, even though it was after the bell, I was like, oh, yeah, no. It was over. Yeah, Rock, Rockhold, yeah, he's, he's out of here. Second round lasts maybe a little over a minute. And I want to say Rockhold was trying to go, for, I don't know what he was trying to do. They were clinched for a second. And I thought he was trying to go for, like, a, a throw. Whatever it was, he didn't keep his hands up after they broke. And and that one moment where he was vulnerable, because Rockhold just doesn't really keep his hands up a lot in general. He tends to keep them by his wayside. He gets blasted with a left hand. And we all know, when, like, when Rockhold gets knocked out, he doesn't get knocked out like a normal person. Like, his knockouts have to be really spectacular. Just the way he fell. Like... <laughs> The way he fell was like, oh no, he's in trouble. And those ground, those follow-up punches were just like, it was bad, the left was bad enough. The follow-up was like, his soul was already gone, and you're just, <laughs> you're just beating a corpse. Like, he, it's like you walk up to somebody's casket and you just start punching them. Like, he can't, <laughs> like, <laughs> He was already dead. <laughs> the follow-up punches just weren't, and I'm not, <laughs> and I'm not faulting him. Like you got to do that, you know. Aspinall said, "You go into the ref says time." Right? Yeah, you go into the ref, and, and kind of in a similar situation where, you know, Askren and, and Jorge kind of had, you know, some trash talk back and forth. You know, Rocco kind of had words for Jan, like, he, he kind of was overlooking him, disrespecting him, so Jan felt some kind of way. So, yeah, I'm going to give you these extra two to three that I probably don't really need, but, you know, you was popping off at the mouth a little bit, so I got to let you know, it's not it's not sweet out here. Um, and that just look on Rockhold's face when he was, like, getting back up, and it was just this look of confusion, like, he had no idea He looked like he had been happened. aged, like, 20 years. Right. <laughs> And, boy, Rock, Rocco's done, man. Yep. He's, he's done, man. But, but, like, that's the same way DC knocked out Stipe. Clinch break, left hook that the other, that the other dude didn't just see coming. Like, what happened to the Rocco that fought Yoel Romero and had, like, improved boxing and everything? Because, like, the, the dude here was just winging shit. Just like kicks, kicks, kicks. I'm gonna throw the big left hand. Kicks, kicks, kicks. I'm gonna go dive into the clinch and try to force a takedown against a dude who's bigger than me. Like, I, I don't get what the game plan was. Maybe they were just like, okay, you're gonna go up, you're gonna take the dude down, and you're gonna, you know, it's just gonna be easy for you. No, uh, but props to Jan. Just 
competent, competent striking, good uh, takedown defense, freaking. He made Luke Rothold do the 360 at the end of the first round <laughs> after he clipped him with that punch. Yeah. Oh, he did, he, Rockhold did this too late. Like, maybe before the Romero fight, maybe then. Maybe, like, But, like, at that point, Romero would reduce whatever was left of his chin to, like, mush. Yeah. Jan just finished it off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Rockhold Rock doesn't. I, I felt like earlier in his career, he had like a. He did have like a certain like aura about him. Like he had a real kind of cocky, and he fought like it. And it didn't always sometimes result to wins, but like you really had to respect it because dude could just blast you with a body kick and fold you, and it might be over. Like he just he had it was a certain way. Like I felt like he used to like carry himself. And like now he just looks he looks kind of flat when he's out there. Like he doesn't injuries and age, bro. Like yeah. Luke like we, we talk about Chris Wyman being broken. Luke Rocco has fought less times than Chris Wyman has since they fought. Like shit dude's put a lot of like dude's career the best years of his career were left on the AKA Jim Matt, like if we're being real. Like and I, I know he moved to Florida for this camp. But he just did not look good. Like, the dude who fought you over Merrill was way better. Yeah. I, it's crazy, because I was, I was thinking, had, like, if, if Rockhold and Wobbin were to fight again at 205, if you'd have asked me even, like, a week ago, a week ago, I'd have been like, yeah, I think Rockhold still takes him in a rematch. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anymore. Like... Wildman's still a little broken, but at least in his last couple fights, I'm like, he, he still had moments where he looked pretty good. Just, you know, sometimes the ball doesn't always shake out for him. But, yeah, Rockhold, that, to me, that looks like a finish, man. Like, I think Jan put the, he put the final nail in the coffin. Um, props to Jan, man. A, a 205er who doesn't really get, you know, a lot of the attention, but just a really solid dude. Like, a dude who, when he stays within his game, he is a very good fighter. Yeah. Like, and we, we mentioned it during that, that Gus fight. He gave Gus a good... Back when Gus was Gus, you yeah. know. Whatever that means. <laughs> he, gave, he gave him a solid fight. Like, you, you, got, you got to respect it. You got to respect it. Uh, so, shouts to Jan. You got a, a KO. Uh, that, that's, that's a highlight reel to be proud of. You killed a dead man. <laughs> I don't know how you do that, but he was already dead, and you killed him. Like, oh, boy. Shout-outs to Jan Blachowicz, man. K.O. Rockhold, he got that W. Finishing out the main card, uh, Michael Chiesa versus Diego Sanchez. It should be a crime that Diego Sanchez is still getting booked for fights. Yeah. And... You know what? Let me give <laughs> before I get to Diego. Let me give Kiesa props first. Uh, for one, really, I, I actually this was one of the fights when I saw on paper. I actually did not care about this fight to be honest, like at all. Was not looking forward to this. Didn't care to see it. Did, did nothing for me. But 
Kiesa made this exciting for me. I, I just enjoyed this, the display of grappling, just he, going for submissions, constantly taking Diego down, trying to pass. Like, he, he made it really, really entertaining to watch. And props to Diego for, like, surviving. Because there were a couple moments where I thought he was going to be out of there or get submitted or just... Because he was in so many bad positions. And props to him, man. He was able to gut it out and, like, actually survive the three rounds. Because he, he got dominated every round. Like, all of those were 10-8s. <laughs> like, pretty much all of those could have been 10-8s. Um, so, yeah, re really good on Kiesa. I didn't realize how big he was either. Oh, yeah, he is. Giant. I don't know if it was just yeah yeah he is he I, I did not realize that at first I was like I don't know if that's just in comparison to Diego but no he is a he's a big dude man big dude and with that kind of like grappling and pressure like he he could give anybody some problems because he is kind of like relentless with it now I, I respect that so props to Kiesa man he he made this a really fun uh match to watch I, I just kind of enjoyed the grappling display that he put on but Diego man bro um. I watched the interview finally this morning. I watched the interview on top of finding out about that coach that he had. Mr. Hummingbird? Yeah. And, um... You guys, in, in, in case I, you haven't seen it, um... So... What's his name? Um... God, what, what is his name? Josh Fabia? Um, yeah. So, in case you haven't seen it, there, there are videos online of uh, Diego Sanchez's new movement coach, or mo new coach, head trainer, a man with zero martial arts um, training, or background, really. Um, and it's amazing. And he makes Ido Portal look like Freddie Roach. Um, <laughs> go check it out. There, there, are, there are examples of his teachings being posted on Twitter, and they are fantabulous. Yeah. But uh, continue when, the interview. Yeah. Well, I was just say when I when I when I saw his coach, and then I saw the interview, I was like, oh, this fight makes so much more sense now that it went as terrible as it did for Diego. This this guy. Clearly has no martial arts experience. I don't know if you saw the video of him. I can't even say he was hitting the heavy yes. bag. Yes. Uh, he was doing something. <laughs> his, his, his little like, mating dance that he was doing with the heavy bag? Yeah. Yeah. It was... Uh, I was like, all right, this isn't good. And then, like, all of the stuff that Diego was talking about in in the interview he did with uh, Helwani, he's like... um. You know, he, he's a combat coach. He's a mind coach. He's an everything coach. He's he's teaching me to see what I need to see, to be what I need to be, to do what I need to do. And I was like, bruh, you about to go in here and get slept. Like, <laughs> yeah. this, this sounds like you've just been brainwashed. Like, it, it sounded like a really bad infomercial or something. Like, <laughs> it was just... And then... Uh, the, I can't remember what round. I, no, I think it was at the end of the second, going into the third. And he's like, "This is it, Diego. You just you just gotta go 100. percent Like this is it. You just gotta, you just gotta go." And it's that's like some, that's some high level advice right there, man. Yeah, like I I, I understand the point and I agree, but you, 
know, you got to get a little more specific than that, buddy. And it's just everything he said in that Hawana interview paired with his coach, I was like, I understand why this fight went so bad. Like, clearly this guy just fed you some pseudo-intellectual, you need, you need to be awareness, you, you need to be aware, you need to breathe, you need to feel, you need to be one with the universe. And it's like, bro, that don't translate to wins. You about to be one with this canvas if you don't stop playing. Like, it just... Should, I, 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 should we give a little background as to how Diego Sanchez came to Josh Fabia? Um... I can't remember that part about when he... So, apparently, when he got this fight... Because this was a recent move. He's only been, like, with Fabio for, like, a few weeks. Um, like, two or three to this point. But, um... Jackson Wink... Uh, apparently, uh... I, I, I don't know the whole story behind, like, everything. But according to Diego Sanchez... Who, let's be real, Diego Sanchez... Not the most trustworthy source on anything anymore. Um, sent a text to um, to uh, both Mike uh, to Jackson and uh, to, to Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn, asking about going out to dinner so they could like plan for his fight with Kiesa. Uh, apparently, neither dude bothered to text them back. And he was like, oh, okay, this is where I am in the pecking order now, I guess. So he just hooked up with Josh Fabio, who I have no idea how he met. But uh, I was like, brother, like, where did you come from? Yeah. Like. So, um. <laughs> is he like, he was standing on like a street corner with a pamphlet. Like, brother, would you like to be enlightened? Like, <laughs> do you want to know the way? Yeah. <laughs> And there was, like, a whole bunch of other shit in that interview that we probably don't have to go into, but it's, like, the last thing Diego Sanchez needs to be doing is taking more head, like, brain damage right now. And nobody in his life seems to be pointing this out to him. He was a single father. Yeah, when uh, when he said, there was a point in the interview, he said, I, I don't have CTE, I don't have brain damage. I was like, oh, boy. I think I cut it off after. No, no, I, I did. No, I finished it. I did finish it. But that was one of those interviews that went from this is slightly entertaining to now I feel bad for watching this. Right. Mind you, Diego Sanchez was not the man who, uh, or not the fighter, fighters who Dana White claimed should retire after this card. Um, Luke Rockhold and Holly Homer. Right. So, you know, it, I hope you guys are ready to see Diego Sanchez again. Well, speaking of, I can't remember who, was it Maya? Somebody said they would be interested in a retirement fight against Diego, and I think it was Maya. Uh, Maya did say he wanted that fight, and it sounded like they were going to give it to him. Up until they decided to go with Kiesa. Yikes. Yep. Just... I mean, if we're going to have 
Diego Sanchez fight, I'd rather him just fight dudes with um, we're just gonna grapple with them. Like if if we must continually watch him fight. For whatever godforsaken reason, I'd rather see him play grapplers. Yeah, I mean, to Diego's credit, dude can still wrestle and do some some pretty decent scrambles. Like we've seen when he fights the younger guys, he kicks them off the lawn. Yeah. So like <laughs> he's he's still. It's not like he doesn't have anything left in the tank, but it's just like at this point, it's just like it is the potential damage. Is it worth it still? Like. Mm. I had to argue. Yeah. Like I, I've been running this stupid little combat sports blog for eight years now. Diego Sanchez should have retired back before I started the damn blog. Mm. Like, and it's only gotten more and more egregious. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything else to say about it other than why are we why are we still here? Yeah, yeah, we we can move on. Uh, <laughs> we, well, I mean, I meant with Diego, but yeah, we could do that too. Uh, yeah, yeah, but um, props to Kiesa though, man. Uh, did did everything but get the finish, but not for lack of effort, man. He was he was really going for it, so I I respect it. So Kiesa got that unanimous decision. Um, I guess in terms of the prelims. I'm going to have to spend a lot of time on a lot of these fights, but uh, we can just kind of quickly roll through uh, some of these. Oh, God, this, this one's going to make me sad. Ah! <laughs> Headlining the ESPN prelims. Portion of the card, man. Gilbert Melendez, a.k.a. Giblet, versus Arnold Allen. Um, There's not a lot to say other than Arnold beat Melendez up. Like, just boxed him up. Just. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just abused uh, Melendez for three rounds. And Melendez is known for his toughness, which is cool and all, but it, there comes a point in time where it's like you just don't want to be known for your toughness because you can't really offer much else because you're just kind of getting beat on. Like, Arnold's just out here looking sharp he that uppercut was money he he was just out here just putting a clinic on melendez and it was just it really hurt man back back in the strike force days i was a huge melendez fan like i remember the wars with josh thompson i remember him completely mauling uh Kawajiri. um he had good fights with jorge masvidal like gibbler had some 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 good moments man i i i he was one of my favorites back when Strikeforce was really popping. And boy, has his UFC tenure just not not been it. But I, I, I'm not really going to dwell in this fight for too long. Arnold Allen just beat the piss out of Melendez for three rounds. Yep. And it was sad to watch. Well, Arnold Allen, the bigger, stronger, more athletic dude, um, picked him apart. Like... Gilbert's still tough as shit, but like he's just—he's not—he's not quick enough to hang at featherweight. He's not big enough to hang at 155 anymore. So there's, there's not a whole lot of room left for him, I'm afraid. So props to Allen, who's now like what five and one in the UFC, something like that. One, two, three, four, five, six and zero. Oh. Oh, that's right. He beat Mac Juan Americani. 
I forgot yeah. about that. I thought he lost. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, no, it's time to get that dude a top ten opponent. Like, I, I get they only fights like once a year, but I, I think we're past that. Like, let's just get this dude in the cage with somebody who knows who not only knows what they're doing, but it's like not 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 physically broken, like a like a Gilbert. A lot of young dudes did show out on this card, though. Oh, yeah, especially in the prelims. Yeah. Yeah, there's some some new faces on the block to to pay attention to. But, yeah, Arnold Allen, Walsh, Gilbert Melendez. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of youngins, uh, new faces, I'm so glad. Just uh, shout-outs to, uh, God, how do you pronounce his first name? Yep. Noellen? Uh, Hernandez. Glad he took this fight on short notice because I was going to be really bummed if Cheeto Vera ended up not being on this card. But uh, Cheeto Vera versus newcomer Noel and Hernandez. Shout out to Noellen. Took this fight on like seven days notice. Uh, LFA guy. So I'm, I'm always rooting for the LFA guys to, to do good. Well, I, you know, I like Cheeto, so I, I, I wanted Cheeto to win. But <laughs> um, nah, man. For a seven days notice, I, I, I was impressed what Noellen was able to do. Especially like your debuts against Cheeto. Like that's, that's not a that's not an easy out on seven days notice. And he managed to have some moments. Uh, Cheeto did get him down in the first. Uh, had the body lock on him. Uh, went for a couple submissions. Had, had him in, in some bad spots. And then in the uh, second round, man, no- Noellen just seemed like he was like he was going to steal the fight back. Like he was, he had top pressure on on Cheeto. Had some ground and pound going, and it's like, all right, we got a we got a fight now. Like he's he's really about to. He's trying to really make this something. And I really love when a fighter is, like, urgent to a situation. Like, this easily could have been could have been a fight where Hernandez could have just stole the momentum back and just stole the fight. Like, we, we've seen stuff like that happen before. And just when you thought the fight was slipping away, Cheeto was like, nah, nope. <laughs> Not letting you run away with this one. I forgot they were on the ground at one point and they got back to the feet. Cheeto, I can't remember what he threw, but he ended up catching Hernandez with a knee. And after the knee, boy, it was just trouble. Hit him with the knee, landed some ground and pound. Noellen gave up his back and got choked out. And but I just I really love the urgency from Vera to where like this fight was starting to slip away or at least starting to tilt in Hernandez's favor and he snatched it right back. Like, nah, bro, not letting you, not letting you get away with that. But impressed with Noellen for seven days notice fighting Cheeto Vera as your debut. I'm not mad at it. I thought, I thought he showed some, some pretty good things in the fight. So I'm looking forward to seeing him, uh, seeing him compete again. But shout out to Cheeto Vera, man, getting out of a bad spot and just way to just take the fight back. Lying knees, bro. That's the wave. That's the wave, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't got a lot. I don't got anything to add to that. Like, go, go on Vera. That's like four in a row, I think now. So, uh, well, you know, hopefully he keeps it going. Like, it's hard to root against Vera. Dude, dude was out here fighting so that his daughter could have surgery to smile again, and now he's in it for a title. And looking good while he's doing it. So, yeah. Bantamweight once again, man. Just, just so much fun. So much fun in that division everywhere. But, yeah, Cheeto Vera got a rear naked choke submission uh, over Noel and, who went, uh, ah, over Noel and Hernandez. Uh, moving on to women's strawweight. 
Claudia, uh, Claudia Gadelia versus Randa Marcos. I was really looking forward to this fight, and it did not uh, give me what I... <laughs> I guess what I thought. I, I just expected... I was looking forward to this fight because I expected urgency out of both of them. Like, for Marcos, I was like, this is a big fight. Like, this is a, a big name, a recognizable name. Like, if you if you go out and show out against her, like, it'll... This will do some good for you. Like, you know, you, you just you get a chance to really make a statement. And for Gadelia, like, she's been kind of spotty in her last couple performances. So I thought she would just really come out with something to prove. And albeit Gadelia won... And, but it just, the fight was just kind of, left a little more to be, to be desired, like, there were just a lot of moments where nobody was really doing anything too crazy, just, it felt like they both kind of played it safe, like, nobody shot for a takedown, which was kind of wild, or nobody landed the takedown, like, it was just, a lot of things that were inconsequential, just a lot of, I don't know. I mean, Gadelia landed a couple of good shots, a couple of good. The, the, the one combination but... she threw, the the, the jab <laughs> uppercut hook, that, la- that right. landed basically every time she threw it, but she didn't throw it a lot. Yeah, it was just I was really just waiting for somebody to just kind of just, just kind of go after it, and it just that just never happened. And for Marcos, it was like. You, even though she lost every round, but it's like you could have really been in this fight if you just would have been a little more just like active, like if you just would have shown something. Yeah, if there was just something there, you could have you could have stole this fight or just made it close, and it just the fight was kind of it was just kind of flat. I don't really know what else to really say about it. Yeah, it was a good fight. Um, excuse me. Um, Yawning. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I remembered it to the fight. Like, like so. This is the least I've ever seen a Mark Henry fighter, or trained fighter, um, throw from a uh, Gadelia side. Because like, she she seemed pretty intent that this would be the fight where she learned not to gas out. Um, and she managed to do that by just not throwing a whole bunch. And Marcos was just more than obliged to. Do the same thing. Like didn't fire the shoot. Didn't try to make Gadella work to tire her out. Um, just seems really content to sit on the outside and occasionally throw a jab. Um, it, there's, there's not a whole lot to that. Like, <clears throat> you know, this seems pretty part of the course for Marcos, who every other fight, every time she wins a fight and looks like she's about to like turn the corner and become like a real problem. Just decides to give the fight away to her opponent. Um, yeah, you hate to see it, because um, like she, like that, like the thing, like she has, so, she had so much potential, like, but for whatever reason, like it's just never been able to manifest manifest itself for her. Um, what you call it? Uh, hold on. Her stance, like, I think we've talked about it before, but her stance bothers the shit out of me. Because, <laughs> like, all right, you're, you're, you want to be a, um, uh, a back foot fighter. You're, you're fighting with your back to the cage. You're not coming forward. Okay, cool, whatever. So why are you, 
why is all your weight on your front foot and your back and your head's like in front of your feet and like how is your back not like in constant pain? <laughs> like at least with Roy McDonald, he comes forward, so it kind of makes sense that he would have his foot on like his weight on his front foot, but like Marcos is there to be hit. Like she has all her weight in our, on her front foot, and she's moving backwards. Like that—that's the easiest way to get hit. It's—it's it's odd. It's bizarre. It—it—it—it it, 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 it mystifies and angers me. Um, now perhaps to Gadella, I guess she gets back in the win column. Probably doesn't get her name in title contention, but you know she might get the Tatiana Suarez fight because Suarez has to fight somebody. And Watterson and Joanna are both, so. Yeah, this might be it. And, yeah, good luck in that fight. <laughs> good luck. But I, I don't know, maybe, you know, because she moved to a new camp for this, right? This was her, like, first time? Yes, I them. think this is her first time with Mark Henry. So maybe, you know. Adjustment period. I'm not going to. Yeah, maybe, you know, adjustment period. You got to get used to the new coaches, new game plan. Um. So I think the next fight will be more more telling. You know, by by then she should be a little more adjusted, a little more settled in, so we can see. I think the next fight will probably let us know more of what we need to know. But if it's against Suarez, I hope she's. You you have to be ready, because uh, so Suarez is gonna be about it. But Suarez also showed some vulnerability in her last fight, so I don't know. These two might be good for each other. That might be the matchup to make. Um. But nonetheless, Gadelia got the win, so congrats to her. And rounding out the ESPN portion, prelims, uh, Song Yedong versus Alejandro Perez. I've been high on Song Yedong. I, I love watching this dude fight. I don't even remember much of this fight <laughs> until the KO, where Alejandro just kind of blindly throws this kick that he doesn't really, this low kick that he doesn't really set up, and Yedong just blasts him with a right mm-hmm. hand. Just, just, <laughs> just picture instantly. perfect. Picture perfect counter yeah. to that to that to that naked low kick, like. Doesn't yeah. get much cleaner than that. Yeah, and that was that was all she wrote. Another guy at bantamweight, man. I love that. That division is so fun. And just you, props to Yadong. Just an, another prospect out here. And I'm guessing he should have a number about. Well, I don't really care about rankings, but th- th- theoretically speaking, because I think Alejandro Perez was ranked like number thirteen. Mm-hmm. Song Yedong should probably have a number by his name next week, so he'll he'll be a top fifteen the, uh, talent at Bantamweight. The Wade. third Chinese fighter to ever have a ranking in the UFC and the first male, so hey. props to him. And yeah, and he, he's legit, man. Dude is he he he's got some talent. I don't know how high his ceiling is, but I, I'm, I'm I want to know how old he actually is because like I went back and watched the fight he had at one championship like. In 2014, and they were billing him as being 20 back then, and he's being billed as 21 right now. There's no way that's true. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> like, so unless he was fighting back, because he's been fighting pro since he was since 2013. So unless he's been fighting since he was literally 13 years old. Something don't want up here. Somebody got to find the birth certificate. He looks pretty young to me, I mean, though. 
I, I wouldn't peg him over 24. See, I, he, I, he I can believe that. Man. I can't believe that he's actually 20. Well, I'm out of the age. He's, uh, he's putting hands on folks, and he's looking good doing it. Definitely somebody to keep an eye on that bantamweight. Uh, yeah. A- anxious to see what they do with him next. Because now with a name, uh, a number next to his name, you, you would think he's going to have to get some... And he's been fighting pretty, like, decent, solid competition. But, you know, interested to see just how they bring him along, like wh- who they match him up with next, how, how high of a step up. Will he get next time? Do you do something like put him in that uh, that China card? I mean, you have to. You got. I to. I say book him against like Thomas Almeida or something. Don't do that to Almeida. Hey, <laughs> right, Thomas Almeida still ranked. You talk about a guy that, bro. I was on the Almeida train. Yep. Like, same I was here. <laughs> I was convinced. This man had me sold, like, oh, he is... I was like, I don't know if he's going to be a champ, but he's definitely getting a title shot. Like, this man is going to find his win to a title shot. When you start off 4-0, like, it's hard not to root for you, man. Man, he just... Boy, did he fizzle out. God. (laughs) That just just got real depressing. I got to move on. (laughs) But... Congrats to Song Dong, man. Really, really good prospect at Bantamweight. Always looking forward to, to his fights. And he, like I said, he'll have a number next to his name. So we'll, we'll see who they match him up with next. And I guess we can just kind of quickly just run through these ESPN Plus prelims. Uh, Edmund Shabazian uh, versus Jack Marshman. Boy, Shabazian uh, kind of just ran through him. That's, that's that Glendale uh, Fight Club energy, bro. <laughs> he, he is Ronda fucking Rousey out here. Bro, he took Marshman down through like 80,000 ground and pound punches and then uh, took the man's back and choked him out. And I was just trying to figure out the entire time, like, how did Edmund, like, how do you find him? Like, why did they, why, why are they a well, Let me check. What did Edmund do deserve to to run into a talent like he, like Ronda should have been enough for him. We should have never heard of Edmund again after Ronda. I feel like he's being he's being given a second chance that he doesn't. He deserve. was he's been training at Glendale Fight Club since he was twelve years old. Boy, you, you lucked up, man. The right guy just walked into you. And I'm not. Uh, yep, yep. He's Armenian. So that probably has something to do with it. Hmm, yeah. They they tend to stick together. Well, give them that, you know. Stick with the fam, I'm out of it. But just Whoa. Shabazz, you just watch yourself, man. I, I can't wait for Tarverian to start doing interviews talking about how he would murder Max Holloway in a kickboxing match. Right. <laughs> just <laughs> nah, maybe he's humble now because he, he seems he seemed pretty low-key uh, yesterday. Like, he's not doing any media. He's not calling any attention to yeah, himself. Yeah. Maybe he learned his lesson. Yeah, he learned from Ronda. He learned from that uh that kick, <laughs> that Fabricio kick. Yeah. You know, hopefully that did humble him. And maybe, he, like, he brings in other coaches and, you know. I'm just... I, want, I want dude to, to prosper. Like, he, he looks like some Like, he's really young, and he's got a lot of good talent. And you would just hate to see a dude like this 
like go the Travis Brown route where he comes in and dude looks like he's really gonna be somebody and then he just kind of. I will say I'm not. De- uh, Joe Rogan w- was really overselling this a little bit. Like, I think we talked about this with last year, Doru, when he got cut, about like how middleweight's just that one division where if you have a prospect, you can kind of bring him along really well because everybody just kind of fights the same. Right. Everybody's really athletic. Everybody's kind of tough, but like they're breakable still. So, like, that you you could always find the right matchup for a, a guy like um Elias Theodoro and the same for like a, a dude like Ed uh Ed uh yeah Edmund Shabazian like Shabazian super young super powerful super athletic but at the same time like there's a dude who's getting by on his uh his wrestling not his uh his vaunted striking his Gundel Fico boxing um like. We're we're still a year we're 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 not even a year removed from him getting like a gifts decision over Darren Stewart, so I I pumped the brakes a little bit on uh on calling him like you know legit. He is a very intriguing prospect though. Yeah, you can yeah you can bring him along slow. There there's enough bodies at middleweight to you know. Random like contender series dudes who are still around. There, there are people around for him to still test his abilities against. Who should give him like a decent he, fight? Yeah, he's only twenty one years old. Like, yeah. So there, yeah. There's, there's no rush. There's absolutely no rush. No, no need to burn the man out before he even, you know, before he even gets started. But for now, so far, so good. good. Uh, so, congrats to Edmund. Got a submission over Jack Marshman. Uh, moving down to welterweight, Chance Rencounter versus uh, Ismail Narodiev. Um, A.K.A. Austrian Wonderboy. Yeah. I cannot believe Michelle Prezeris' potential title shot got wasted for this. <laughs> I, I am so angry. <laughs> it's wild. I forgot the odds, but Chance was a crazy underdog in this fight. And boy, did he just... Every time this fight went to the ground, just no, Ismail had nothing. Like, and, and Chance just seems like one of those dudes. Like, he ain't. The, it's not the prettiest to watch. It's not the most entertaining. But dude is just extra tough and just can just grind you out. And he doesn't really go away because he ate some shots. He ate a couple of clean shots and he just kind of ate them and just kept going on business as usual. Um, I spent most of this fight trying to think up a nickname for Chance Rencounter that had to do with Chance the Rapper, and, <laughs> and I, I came away with nothing. <laughs> so, so if you're wondering where I was during this fight, that's what that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, Chance. Oh, every time I see his name, I'm like, he just seems like the generic creative player. Like he's the base. <laughs> he's like the base fighter. That they start you right. off with. Right, like, and props to him. Like, he, he, he survived that uh, that early blitz from Nardiev where it looked like he was going to knock him out in less than a round. Also, that sweet-ass throw slash reversal that Nardiev hit in the first round mm. where he yeah. gets the overhook, tries to go for, like, a hip toss, doesn't get it, literally just drops all his weight between Ren counter, hits a cartwheel, and then ends up in guard. It, it's just great yeah. stuff. Yeah. But uh, not enough. Run counter 
Ricky just takes him down repeatedly over the course of the second and third round and gets the decision. Yeah, and if anybody betted on Chance, he won you some good money. <laughs> he definitely won you some... I cannot remember the odds, but he was definitely a heavy underdog. So, that's the Chance, man. A fight that probably, you know, according to odds, he was not expected to win whatsoever. And he, he went out there and won it pretty handily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's one of those dudes who did, uh, I can't remember his story. Like, he, I remember if he recently started training full-time or finally, like, was able to move out to, like, another gym. And, but well, whatever the circumstance was, whatever he did worked. Yeah. Right? It, it's, it's clearly beneficial. I, I know dudes, um... What you call it? A uh, JUCO world, a uh, JUCO champion, world champ, JUCO champion, much like a uh, main eventer John Jones. So I, I think we know what career trajectory he's going for. Chance encounter versus Kamaru Usman. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna be one of those guys that welterweight that like somebody's going to rush a prospect too quick and they're going to fight him and he's going to be too tough to not go away. I mean, that's what this was. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what Chance's... Uh, that's going to be his UFC... Uh, oh, I didn't know Chance McCann was actually like Native American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He mentioned it in, uh, in the uh, post-fight. He, he comes from like a really small like reservation. Osage, Osage Nation, uh, Oregon, I think. Yep. Yeah, he said he come from a real. Uh, he gave them a little shout out in his uh his post fight speech. Oh, oh, cool. I was I was always curious, like, why is his fucking nickname the Black Eagle? Right. <laughs> yeah, that, like I said, there's nothing about you that makes me think of that name. But now nah, you know he got the stripes, he got the lineage. I respect it. Um, so shout out to Chance oh, Rencounter, oh. man. Went out there and got a. I said Oregon. I meant Oklahoma. My bad. That's that's where uh, Osage Nation is. Shout a chance, man. Got went out there and got it done. Last fight of the card, women's bantamweight. weight. Julia Avila versus uh, Panny Kianzad. I don't remember this fight in a ton of specific detail, but all I remember thinking while I was watching it is, man, Avila is putting some hands. <laughs> like, she is, uh... Panny was just kind of out there surviving. She was eating some shots, boy. Julia was, was bringing it. If, uh-huh. if Julia Avila ever learns to just not crowd her punches when she comes forward, she's going to be putting a lot of women out um, on the feet. Like, she is so... She cracks so freaking hard. Um, and I, I, I want to actually start by saying props to Penny Kianzad, who... It kind of looks like she's got the beginnings of, like, a Jack Marshman-style kickboxing approach, like, a boxing approach, I should say, where, like, she's got these long combinations, and, like, she can throw, like, three or four punches and, you know, move out the way. But, like, defensively, there's nothing there, and every time uh, Avila decided to just plant her feet and, like, blitz forward, it worked. So, you know, um... Yeah, no, like, Avila's grade-A prospect. Sucks that, like, there's nobody in this division for her to fight. Which just means she wins two or three more fights. And then she gets Amanda Nunes. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, it'd be a matchup between two powerful-ass punchers, so I'm, I'm down with it. But 
it's not a fight she wins. Yeah, yeah, you hate to see somebody get rushed to the grave. Yeah. <laughs> I, hey, I'm just but, hope, I'm know. hoping they book her quickly, because like, if you need contenders, you need her to be ready, and the quickest way to get ready is to fight and fight often. Right. So, keep her ass in camp. Like, she's too fun to keep on the shelf. All right, and just thank God a new person at Bantamweight. Like, <laughs> thank God. Just be be a new face, man. We need you. We need you around. We need you to stay around and just keep keep being consistent. We 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 need you. But um, yeah. Congrats to her, man. That was a really fun fight. She looked really good. Uh, so congrats to Julia Avila. And that was UFC 239, man. It. I almost feel like that snake robbed this night from me <laughs> because I was having a. I was having a blast watching this card. Oh, yeah, it was a great card. This is some of the most fun I've had. Just sheer enjoyment of me just enjoying just quality fights, even fights I didn't care about I was enjoying. And that snake really just messed it up. It completely killed the buzz that I had going. But, no, this this card was awesome, man. This card was really... I got to give props, man. Like I said, a a lot of fights outside of this main and co-main event, I personally didn't really, I wasn't, like, really looking forward to. But, like, after watching it, like, man, this this was really good, man. From the prelims all the way up to the main card, just, you you couldn't ask for more. Like, we got some, (laughs) we got, like, two KO of the year candidates in one card. Three, it really, because I'll throw Amanda Nunes in there. Um, Prospects showing out. You know, I think some people, some people, I feel like wanted more from the Jones fight, but I was, I was happy with what I got. Um, it was, it was just a really good card overall, man. I really don't have, I don't really have any complaints. Like, out the only fight that I really didn't, the the one fight I did not like watching was the Gedalia and Marcos fight, um, and the Melendez fight, but that was just because it was Melendez losing, and that hurt my feelings. See, mine was Diego but, Sanchez fight. Because, like, why are we still here, bro? Yeah, that, that too, the, the only reason why I kind of enjoyed it was because of Kiesa. And, like, Diego was still, like, surviving. I was like, oh, he's he's still trying to, like, make some, something out of this. So it was, it's like, it was, like, slightly. I just like to point out he still did eat over 100 strikes in that fight. <laughs> yeah, so... But, no, nah, this this card was really, really good, man. So if you guys did not get a chance to watch, if, you know, go go back. Uh, if, if you ordered it on ESPN Plus like I did, um, you, you can go back and watch the entire replay from the prelims up. They actually do let you go back and uh, you can watch the card in its entirety. So uh, definitely go back and watch, man. This, this was a really, really good card, man. So many good moments. So many people showed out. A lot of souls got departed. Jorge Masvidal made history. Jan Blachowicz killed a man. Like, there's not much else you could really ask for. So go back and watch this card. Uh, go go peep the couple of fights I mentioned from uh, from uh, Glory. And the next card, what's what's the what's coming up? Sacramento. Next? We got uh, Aspen Mad versus Jermaine Demont, uh, Jermaine Deronomy, and Uriah Faber versus Ricky Simone. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't yeah, obviously I don't give a damn about that uh, co-main but I like the main event and then I'm probably the only person in the world who likes that main event but I'm sticking with it because 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at that. Main what, like, if, if you want these women to be ready for title shots, they need five round fights. Right. So, Aspen Lad, you're on notice. Uh, yeah, have have it, have at it. <laughs> exactly. Um, there's some other yeah. good ones on that card. Josh Emmett versus Mursad Bektik. Uh, Andre Fury versus Shaman Moresh. Juliana Pena returns to fight Nico Montano, who moves up to uh, women's bantamweight uh, for the first time in the UFC. And Livia Hanada Souza versus Brianna Van, Vier- uh, Van Buren in a battle of former Invicta strongweight champions. Oh, and of course, our boy, The Damage, Darren Elkins, <laughs> yeah. uh, facing off with uh, Ryan Hall. Hmm. That should be interesting. <laughs> that should be interesting. And we got we got Bellator next week on the twelfth. Uh, uh, Bellator two twenty four. Julia Budd versus Olga Rubin. Rafael Carvalho versus Chidi Anjikawani. Christina Williams versus uh, Juliana Vasquez. Ed Ruth versus uh, Konichi Kunamoto. You got Leslie Smith making her debut against Cynthia uh, Kavanaugh. I will not mention that other gentleman's name because uh, we will never speak of him again on this podcast. Um, that's Bellator. And then we also got PFL, which you mentioned earlier, uh, coming up on the 11th. So you have Chris Curtis versus Magomed, Magomed Karamov, Kayla Harrison versus Morgan Freer, Sarah Kaufman versus Roberta Samad, Ray Cooper III versus John Howard, Andre Filajo versus Zane Kamaka. Uh, Saad Boussi versus Glacio Franca. A uh, couple more fights. A couple other women fights. I'm going to go through the whole card. But it's, it's a pretty... Next, next week's going to be fun. We got some good some good fights coming up between PFL, Bellator, and the UFC. And I'm pretty sure there'll probably be some other fights that I'm neglecting to mention that will be there. But no, nah, ne- next week's going to be fun. So there'll be fisticuffs to talk about next week. So make sure you guys tune in. We'll be here to to cover it. But that's all we got for today's episode. So we can go ahead and close with parting shots and shout-outs. I really need to start gathering my shots. I say that every week. I haven't thrown a shot at somebody in a while. I need to throw a shot. But I don't have any this week. But I do have a shout-out. Uh, shout-outs to Corey, Coco, Gaff, or Goff. I don't know how you say that. Uh if any of you guys pay attention to the tennis world, she is the 15-year-old who beat Venus Williams uh, in the first ah, Venus Williams in the first-round match of Wimbledon. Uh, she advanced to the round of 16. She is the youngest player to advance this far since 1991. When I'm reading this from uh, an article, since Jennifer Capriati made the semifinal, semifinals as a 15-year-old, and also uh, golf in her second round. Uh, pulled a comeback against Polona Herzog of Slovenia, if I'm saying that right. Um, so, 15-year-old prodigy basically out here. That's that's kind of wild. That makes me look at my life and realize I did everything wrong. <laughs> 15 and y'all here at Wimbledon uh, putting in work. But if you wanna, if you're interested in watching her play uh, golf will be uh, facing off against the number seven seed, Simona Halep, on Monday. So if you're into tennis and you want to watch 15-year-old Prodigy continue her run, you can watch that uh, on Monday at Wimbledon. Uh, and shout-outs to the NBA Summer League, which is uh, going down. Got to see a little bit of Zion, a little bit of R.J. Barrett. Uh, well, I guess you won't see Zion because he had a knee-to-knee injury, so they're resting him. 
Got to protect the investment. Um, but go go peep some summer league games if you haven't. They're pretty interesting if you want to see some of the young talent that you'll get to see a lot of uh, next upcoming season. Go give the summer league a look. So shout outs to Coco Guff and shout outs to the NBA summer league. Um, I have a shot. YouTube, stop giving me ads for payday loans. I know I'm poor. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> Fucking garbage. Ugh. Um, you know, Shouts to the U.S. Women's National Team. They're currently in the 57th minute of the World Cup, which I've been watching here in the background um, while we've been recording. Um, you know. Uh, where did it lose? First, second place. Always good. Hopefully they win. I, I don't care much for the Netherlands. What's the, uh, it is 0-0 zero, zero in the 58th minute right now, so... It has been a violent-ass um, game. Like, the two chicks headbutt each other. Going yeah, I'm on uh, ESPN just looking at the thumbnail. And I see some veins and some faces. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, looks intense. I mean, I mean oh, you, like, what, what's the worst that could happen? You get a red card and you kick, the, or you get a yellow card and you, you're not allowed to play in the next game? There's no next game. Right. Go all she out. got kicked in, like, the elbow or some shit. With a cleat. Mm. Oh, God. Jeez. <laughs> yep. Ooh. Uh, right in the... Right in the... Ooh. Right in the elbow. Somebody uh, bringing, bringing the Muay Thai skills to, to football. <laughs> out, uh, out there. But, yeah. Jeez. Um, getting kicked with a cleat. That is... Yeah, I'm walking off the field. We got to fight at that. Mm. <laughs> That's disrespectful. Is as disrespectful as Jorge Masvidal just fucking saying, <laughs> I, if I ever see Ben Askins at a Whole Foods, I'm slapping him. <laughs> <laughs> that little plank thing is going to play in my mind forever. <laughs> like, oh, I love it. I love it. Sometimes you got to get a little grimy, a little disrespectful. I, I like that. I like that. Shout out to Jorge Oh, man. But, um, yeah, man. It's been another episode of the Dojo Talk Podcast. As always, man, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to check us out. SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube. Uh, look us up on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page as well as the Instagram page. Send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. And you can hit me up on Twitter, as well as Twitch, at Serial Sensei. That is all we got for you guys today. So as always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it. And until next time, we will catch you guys later.